the Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Boom, ladies and gentlemen. In late 2013, we went to the farm of one Douglas Duran in Upper Wisconsin, actually Southwest. 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 It's all the same. Anything in up in Wisconsin, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Upper yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's, nice, exactly. it's not like we're like, wait, this is Southeast. I love Southwest Wisconsin way better. <laughs> the cold. No, because it is a difference. Because these guys in Wisconsin, what they go by is that bottom quarter, that bottom quadrant, yeah. the bottom left quadrant. Sure. Is the, they call it the Driftless Area because it didn't get demolished by glaciers. Yeah, that's a good point because for folks who've never been to Wisconsin, you think of Wisconsin as being like this flat area where, you know, the reason why I those do. areas are flat is because they got smushed. Yeah, but there's a guy I know who lives up in the Northeast and um, he, he makes maple syrup and he always makes a point to put on there from the drifted area of Wisconsin. <laughs> like he's trying to turn, he's trying to use it. <laughs> well, well, I don't understand. He doesn't want to get, so, glaciers like, the, came over and smushed it and flattened everything out. What we re were was all hilly and beautiful and, you know, all the landscape is varied. Yeah. That's because it didn't get smushed. Yeah, it was like a little median. Glaciers? It was like a little median between the lanes of glaciation. Yeah, it could have been miners. Yeah, they just yeah, they built it up real good. That was the, that was the thing that, that was, when we were in Montana, we were driving. Brian's like, "Oh, this is all mining, large scale mining." What the fuck are you talking about? This not is a, mining. Not it's a, a river cut theory. through here. <laughs> like the the mining expert. Apparently, I'm a mining expert. I can tell by the topography. At least you don't really believe what you're saying. True. You just start it's saying true. something and you just go with it for a goof. I'll commit. I'll commit. But no. you know, you don't commit with your ego. No. You're not. You're not really attached. No, to it, no. Which is My mind has changed all the time. I talk about being a libertarian i had this guy w- william bernstein has written all these books you know on, the, on my podcast and he started going well yeah but then he started giving me examples of how being a libertarian wouldn't really help you if you you're hoping that your kid isn't wearing something toxic you know uh, there, there's certain that when you get on a plane you want you want there to be an f f d uh, you know uh, um, whatever it is yeah whatever it is <laughs> standards federal standards for flying and so i was like yeah yeah you're right I back off everything I've been saying. <laughs> well, being a libertarian up to a point is yeah, not a bad a point, idea. Of course. The, the problem with any ideology is you get lumped into you know, just it's too rigid. They're making yeah. coffee in there. Making I, was, more coffee. I, thought, I was like, I thought something happening to me. Yeah. We used to call it we used to call it bulletproof coffee. Now we call it the Rob Wolf blend. Uh, but anyway, uh, Doug Duran's farm. You were so gracious to have us up there to film Meat Eater, and we appreciate it very much. And you know, as I said on the show, uh, you you can have a different time, but you can't have a better time. We had a fucking fantastic. <laughs> week there with your friends you got a, a great group of guys that you go hunting with every weekend and just a, a great group that represents what hunting really should be a bunch of cool people having a good time doing something that's fun doing it ethically yeah. and and you know getting some great meat out of it yeah. can, I, can i talk about how i met doug sure because it speaks to doug i'll just bit. sit here quietly <laughs> <laughs> doug's a very big man by the way uh, yeah doug's a big guy <laughs> A lot of bone, a lot of bone in my Um Well, I, I met Doug after I wrote my Buffalo book. Doug, you know, wrote me a letter. And usually, like, letters, I don't, I don't mean, I, I don't even want to say what I was going to say. Why not? You, you look at, you know, letters, I love to get letters. They're fantastic. You know what I mean? But a lot of times, it's like people, you can't tell if they want to, you know, you can't really get, it's hard to determine sometimes what they're after. And I'm sure you get tons of them. Doug wrote me, like, a letter that made me actually be like, I am going to, I want to contact this person. It was just kind of like, I like your book, and I heard this, and here's what we got going on at my farm. We started emailing back and forth. And Doug, I don't know what year this was. 
Invited me to come out to his cold-ass farm. 2008. <laughs> and every time he comes out, it's cold, so it's his fault. So I just, I just went out there, and I didn't know if I was going to get molested. <laughs> I didn't know the guy. By those big hands. I know. I was like, big, you know, hands molested me out that place. <laughs> I left a note. Out in the I, le- I left a note telling my wife, like, if I don't call in the next hours, like, call 911. What a note call this Ka- must have been. Call to- Casanova's <laughs> nine version of 911. <laughs> what okay, a note this must have been to it was inspire a mo- you. I don't even know. It was like a moving note. So I've never done anything like that, ever. But I did. And I went out to Doug's Cold Farm, and it was real cold. And then <laughs> I, he, I, he, I came he, back he, out. Was was it I came back out, and it was did extremely he, did he meet you, cold. Did he meet you at the door in a robe? <laughs> And a warm hot he picked, toddy. No, I think he picked me up at the airport. I did oh. pick you up. And we got so we yeah. got a sack of cheese curds. Yep. I took him to my house. He met my wife, so he could see everything was legit. That I wasn't gonna just, just yeah. you know, take him up to the woods right away. That's funny. And so you became friends, and I first saw Doug on your show, Meat Eater, best uh, best show on television. And uh, I, I first saw the first hunt that you guys went on. You went on a, uh, a deer hunt, and you shot some rabbits, and you made some rabbit stew. And it just looked like a, a great hangout, you know? You guys had a, a really good time up there. So when Steve said, hey, uh, you want to come to Doug's farm up in Wisconsin and hunt deer, I was like, fuck, yeah, that sounds yeah, awesome. I'll go on record right now and say that beaver might be the best meat I've You're ever had. You're out of your fucking mind. And I'm not kidding about You're that. out of your fucking no, mind. Good, it was man. good. It's not as good as venison. Oh, it's so tender. Get out of here, bitch. That little rodent. That yeah, but, but can't you do like a thing, you know, you'll have a different meal, but... <laughs> You'll have, <laughs> yeah, but you won't have a better meal. Yeah, there's, there, you'll, you'll have different meat. You'll have different meat. But beaver's you won't have very better good. Meat. Better meat. Beaver's yeah. very good. But what I like about venison is you eat it rare, and you get yeah. that that taste of the the real blood, the animal. You, you know, it's not disguised in a meal. Yeah. You're eating the venison. I just couldn't believe how tender beaver was. Well, the way Steve cooked it, yeah, yeah. it's real tender. Yeah. I mean, you know, you really know what you're doing. You know, when you yeah, you got to cook it a long time. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to just take like a hunk of beaver meat and grill it. No. You know? Well, I've been doing that with that pig that we shot in uh, in, in Tahone Ranch, and Is that's it... tough. It's delicious, but it's tough. You got to chew it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, even if the the loin, even the cooking the loin, because first of all, you got to cook it all the way through. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be like medium because it's pork, right? You know, but. It's not like venison. It's like not. venison is just like so soft and delicious. Yeah. Pork's good, man. Pork loin is damn delicious, but it's this is definitely tougher. It's right. definitely tougher. Right. So how did the the mule deer venison compare to the whitetail? Um, the whitetail was so damn good. It, I don't think you can get better tasting meat on the planet. That whitetail venison that we made in your kitchen when we cooked up those back straps. Yeah, that was good, man. Yeah, that's yeah. the best meat I've ever had. I don't actually. think it gets any better. That, I, mean, I mean, the way you cooked it with that butter yeah, and that salt and the garlic salt. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a hot flame mm-hmm. on a cast yeah, iron. And that was that the was key. Oh, my God. You, you, we got to use gr- butter and then get that grill, the griddle really hot and just <laughs> cook that bitch for just not even like 30 seconds each side. Yeah. And then beating it up with the beer bottle. Smash it down. <laughs> yeah, smash it down with the beer bottle. So you cut like, you know, an inch thick, cute, you know, a slice of the uh, the, the loin. Mm-hmm. Pound it down so it's kind of flat. And then when you throw it in there, it'll, seriously, 30 seconds each side max. Crackle, crackle, and then, oh. oh it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty so amazing. Good. I mean, I love elk. I've had, you know, elk that's just about as good as any meat I've mm-hmm. ever had in my life. And th- th- I think... But that those the back straps cooked that way, it's just it's hard to fuck with. Mm-hmm. And plus, those deer that we shot at your farm are so fat and healthy. 
Those are some healthy those are deer, corn, man. Those are corn-fed deer. And, oh, yeah. and young, also. Mm-hmm. They were also young. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah, they were, yeah. That's the bad part. Well, uh, how much different do they taste if they're really old? It makes a bit of a difference. Yeah, if you ever, what's the oldest deer you've ever shot, you think? Uh, that one buck I shot, was, he was at least five and a half. And it gets hard to tell after a while, though, right? On the age-wise, age yeah. yeah. They, they, uh, you do it by if, their teeth? Is that yeah, what you and if, uh, you go, take it to uh, like a DNR station, and they'll look at it, and they'll tell, they say it's two and a half. It seems mm-hmm. like it's like every deer is two and a half years old because they can't make a mistake there or something. But um, I guess that one at, at five and a half just based on the teeth. And then I shot one uh, with Mike Harkins, uh, or Hutch, as he's affectionately known by Steve, <laughs> um, a, a couple of years ago that was an, an older deer than that. And it was, that was a little... A little gamey, late, yeah. You know, it was a little yeah. well, gamey is the wrong word. Cameron Haynes, I don't think whitetails ever gamey. So, Cameron Haynes was on the podcast and he shot a water buffalo that was 20 years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he wow. said he had a piece of meat that he put in his mouth <laughs> there at the camp and uh, he was practicing with his bow. He said he practiced with his bow for a half an hour with the same piece of meat in his mouth, just like packing a jaw, just, man, just yeah. trying to break it down. Couldn't uh, break it I down. Killed a, I killed a black bear that was 17. They do a tooth <laughs> dental thing, 17 year old bear. How how long do they live, black black bears? About that. Wow. Well, I mean, taste? they get a little older, but he was seventeen. But he and I sent his Old tongue. Bear. In. Like the Montana State University used to run a program where um, you could send a chunk of the tongue in, and they would do a test for trichinosis on the tongue because it con- Like I guess you get a good concentration of the tongue, good concentration in the shoulders. So I butchered this whole thing. It was funny as hell. As we went down to my roommate, I was in school. And my roommate was cutting fish at this uh, buy low grocery, okay? And he's like, well, shit, let's just take that bear down and grind it after hours at work, you know? So we go down Uh-oh. there. This thing looked like we went down there and run it through the grinders. We had those little, you know, those little foam things they get meat on. Uh-huh. This stuff looked like, I mean, my freezer looked like someone had just went and raided a grocery store because I had it on those foam bottom things with the saran wrap. Right. It just looked perfect, man, like stacked up like bars of gold. And then we got done. I mean, we cleaned, you know, we cleaned. But I started wondering about the depth of cleaning we did because then a couple of weeks go by and they send me this thing like, yeah, your bear is trichinosis positive. Uh-oh. You can go ahead and throw the bear out if you want, but we won't reissue you a new bear tag. So if you, you now have the right to, like, you can get around because it's illegal to waste game meat, right? So mm-hmm. it's wanton waste law. They said you're exempt from wanton waste on that bear, but you can throw it out, but we won't give you a new tag. And I just went down and bought a meat thermometer. I had a hundred, this bear was, you couldn't even think about even moving this bear, you know. I had a, I think it was hundred, it was either 130 or 160 pounds of freaking ground meat off that bear. Oh, damn. I ate it to the bitter end, man, <laughs> with that freaking meat thermometer. I'd be out in my yard, like, with freaking bear burgers on that meat thermometer. I do say freaking. Yeah. Be- because I'm because afraid my mom's listening. You got to cook, cook it to a certain degree. My mom listens we to We were talking about podcast. it on the Your mom's before, <laughs> before, before the podcast started. We were saying that Steve's one of those guys that says freaking when he doesn't have to. He doesn't yeah, really no, 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 you know But it's because I know that my mom. My mom likes to listen to your show, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's the temperature that kills trichinosis? You know, I just looked this up the other day. One fifty? No, it's one fifty-five or one fifty. I can't remember. One fifty-four. Only the gangster trichinosis. But you know, they just changed it like three. Yeah. You know, the USDA just lowered pork. Really? Because well, because like USDA inspected pork. They, I mean, ninety percent of the trichinosis cases in the U.S. are coming out of black bear meat. That's incredible. I heard that on your podcast. Well, yeah, because, so, they, because they, now they, show, they, they control how they feed pigs. So they lowered the temperature yeah. on pork because what they were, what they, I think what they eventually found out is the way p- 
people were used to be able to fatten pigs a restaurant slop. And restaurant slop had rats and mice in it. And rats and mice are picking up trichnosis by eating flesh. Like nothing's born with trichnosis that has to get it through consumption of an infected animal. Mm-hmm. And when they got it figured out enough where they know what's going into the mouths of inspected pork, they don't have any more. Now they say you don't need to cook pork to. It could huh. be rare. You get a rare pork. You it's can like have, they serve it uh, medium. In, in, I can't in believe Doug's not. Doug's like always fact checks everything you say as you say it. I can't believe. I shut not, my phone off. So oh yeah, I can't I believe. Just, I'm just gonna go. Uh, you know, however. Do you however ever hunt wild pigs, Doug? I have never done it. You should come with us. I'd there's love a, to. There's a place up here, the the um, Tahone Ranch. They're infested. It's incredible. They got a lot of them. Oh, they're everywhere, and they're they're wild, man. We were <laughs> me and Steve and uh, Cody, Cody the guide. Plank. We, we were walking down this road, and I'm telling you, like, where that curtain is, there were some pigs duking it out. We couldn't see them because they were in the bush, and we're sitting there, like, waiting for one to pop out. But they're like, <laughs> it's like you're in a monster movie or something. Like, there's some gremlins they carry duking on, it out. Man, they carry on. The brush is shaking. <laughs> they had no idea we were there. Give a show before I'm, they come out? Well, they had no idea we were there, so they were just making all this crazy noise. Like, wow. right, th- I mean. 15, 20 feet away, maybe. Jeez. Huh. Just yeah. in there was, playing grass. I was in so. Austin, and I and I when I came off stage, this guy um, who was introduced to me, my buddy used to be this Delta guy, Delta Force guy. So this his buddy was a SEAL, SEAL, SEAL Team 6 guy. So we got to know each other and talking, and, and uh, he said, look, man, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan's. Uh, he and I think alike, and he said, if you guys ever want to come down to Austin, We'll, we'll throw you in a couple small birds that would be helicopters, and you guys can shoot pigs with a bell-fed machine gun. And See, like, he doesn't know me that well. I, I, I like, don't have any desire to do that. <laughs> I, like, I like well, hunting pigs, but I, I, you know, I you felt know, weird about doing it out of a truck. Right. I felt weird about driving yeah, around different. in a truck and Road jumping home. out and bang. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to pull a Ted Nugent. Well, it looks like fun for sure. And if, they, if it was my farm, don't get me wrong. If I had a giant farm, these pigs were fucking up my farm. I would absolutely hire yeah. Ted Nugent and Pigman to fly around and shoot <laughs> nuclear weapons at them. Nukes. <laughs> but the reality is, that's not what I want. You're I not going to fly you know, down to Austin, strap into no. a helicopter. It seems like it would be a lot of fun, but it might turn on an area of your brain that you don't really want turned on. Well, my buddy, yeah. my, yeah. my Delta yeah. Force buddy literally goes, oh, I'll, I'll teach you. I'm, I'm really good at shooting from a helicopter. I'll teach you all about that. <laughs> a lot of guys don't know how to teach you. I'll teach you exactly how to do it. Not a skill set I necessarily, I don't really need it. You know, I don't plan on, I was like, all right, well, thanks, I guess. That pig man dude shot a pig from a helicopter with a bow and arrow. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he had That's to compensate. Impressive. He had to compensate for the downdraft. You have to shoot like way over the pig's head. Oh, and the arrow drops down. Yeah. Arrow down. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, he shot from about 20 yards, too. I mean, and it wasn't like that close. So you're yeah. 20 yards with the downdraft. You got to like gauge it all and try to figure out. That's that's crazy. Yeah, but he also killed like 400 of them that day with a machine gun. I'm not kidding. <laughs> 400 pigs. They, they've done it twice. Him and Ted Nugent have done it twice. They call it a porkalypse. There's a porkalypse one, and there's a porkalypse two. <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically like Apocalypse Now. That scene in Apocalypse Now. If it's like, like here they are. Look, 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 look. Look at the screen. Oh, my God. That's, look up, look up. If you're going to eat it, then, you know. Look, he's got a fucking bear. Look at him. He he's got a bear bow. He and hates he's, pig. And he's going to shoot this fucking pig. From a helicopter. Look at this shit. Look at that. That's incredible. 
boom. Oh, that's impressive. That is very impressive. Hit by the way, kind of bad there. Well, well, I mean, what do you expect? By Fucking the way, pig's running. <laughs> he's in a helicopter. There's a lot of shit going on there. You're, you're a shot to take is all I'm saying. Did the pig yeah. pile up? <laughs> no, no, that pig looked like running. It, that the pig looked like it didn't even notice. But they never found that pig. Oh yeah, they got that pig. Yeah, oh, they, they got them all. I mean, they they, they killed. 400 pigs that day. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say 400 pigs. Now, when you see pigs like that, are those, in, those are not indigenous to the Absolutely land. Absolutely not. No, man, they're from, they're Eurasian. They used to be all over from North, wait, wait. North Africa, so, British Isles. So they, they are, are they, were they, were they domestic pigs and now they are wild pigs? It happens a whole bunch of ways. How? Do, can I, am I allowed to? What? Yeah, every you pig. what? Well, I just wanted to get into like a, a geeky pig thing. No, oh, no, no, please, go ahead. So I thought it was a secret or something. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> Can I tell? <laughs> I got confused. Like all, like every pig, every pig in whether it's in a farm, barnyard, feral, wild, okay, Eurasian boar, razorback, whatever name you hear applied to it, all is like Sus scrofa. It's all the same species. So prior to domestication by humans, this species was found all over Europe and Asia. Like, I mean, they were in the British Isles, North Africa, mm. in the Middle East, all over, you know, what is now Russia. Okay, they were everywhere. Right. Europe. Um, but slowly over time, different people in different areas domesticated and, and developed domestic strains off of this, this you know, Sioux Scroff off the wild pig. And... They then spread it around the rest of the world where it didn't exist. Like Polynesians brought wild pigs to Hawaii perhaps 1,100 years ago when they showed up there, right? Mm. But then at the same time, you've made, there's maintained like the actual ancestral population in certain pockets where you really have like the actual wild pig that became the basis. Like what we got the cow from is an animal called the oryx, but the oryx went extinct. So now we can't look back and go like, so what was the cow, mm. right? Like what did we make cows right. from? But we know, in this case, what it was, and it still exists out there. So we had where people brought these domestic strains around, and inevitably they go feral. Okay, So DeSoto released pigs, inadvertently released pigs in, in, you know, in right. the New World hundreds of years and ago. According to Charles Mann, that's kind of one of the reasons that that, that might have been what, what caused the plagues. They, they yeah, you're talking carrying... about that, that book, 1491. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you know, it might have been the reason that they... they a lot of the Native Americans died in such massive numbers from typhus and all kinds of things. Because, yeah, it gets into, cause, like, pigs share so many diseases. But yeah. then at the same time, what, what would start to happen, especially in the late 1800s, early 1900s, is people started going and catching the ancestral, like, the ancestral pigs, undomesticated ancestral pigs, mm. taking them as wild creatures and cutting them loose. So in California, a lot of areas in California, you go there and the, the pigs resemble and there's some introgression probably from domestic strains, but they really, like, you look at them, you're looking at, like, a, what we now call, like, a Eurasian boar. They got wow, a real long wild snout, boar. razor back. I mean, everything about them, like, straight tail. Everything about them screams, like, wild pig, and you're kind of looking at, like, what is the wild pig. In other places, you can go, and they're just as wild, but they're feral domestics. Oh, okay. How big, how big is, the, is the original boar? How big do those get? They get they, you know what's funny? There they get big. They get, you know, they'll, they'll shoot ones in the wild, that can be four or five hundred pounds. Of, wow! Know. I mean, that's I think that's pretty. And that's like a big boar, but they how, get even bigger than how that. How much of that is muscle? Oh yeah, but that pig was such BS. That whole hogzilla thing is total BS. Well, it's a perspective issue for sure. Right? Well, yeah. Well, guys, like he sees one of these hogzillas show up, and he goes, "I sold that guy that pig a week ago." No, and then he turns up and he's got a picture of it in the back of his truck. <laughs> 
Wait, what? <laughs> Which guys? There's a few it. of those hogzillas out there. Yeah, right? those are domestic strains, okay? And mm. every hogs like every hogzilla in his past was sitting there on a Look corn was, was on a corn crib. It's not unusual to make an eleven hundred pound domestic. So that guy Doug knows more about just... livestock than any of all of us put together. Let Doug <laughs> Hold that picture it. up again. So that guy basically just covered that thing in dirt. No, listen, you could take a domestic you could take a domestic pig, okay? Leave him intact. Or whatever, give him all the corn he's gonna want, and you're gonna you can make giant pigs. Then all you do is you take it out into a penned place, turn it out on a penned location, and, go shoot and then you go like hunt it. <laughs> In quotes. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's hilarious. And they're just buying them and putting out there. Now that thing has hair all over it. You know, Nugent runs those right? things. He runs things where he runs like these little penned facilities where they got like like supposedly wild pigs in a penned area, and people come out and pretend to hunt for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like. One of these pogzillas that turned up, it wound up, there's a picture of it. There's a picture of the guy with it in the back of his pickup. That's hilarious. Well, we, we, And it would wound up being that some guy bought it for his kid to shoot. Oh, And he wow. cut it out. He cut it out on some little parcel of land. Yeah, but when wow. you get a wild boar that's 500 pounds, how much of that is muscle? A lot they got a animals. high yield, man. Speaking of that, a lot uh, of game animals like forty percent yield. I mean, pigs got a high yield. I mean, on a wild one, it's got to be fifty percent yield. Would be my guess. Renella and I, okay, we shot this pig. It's at five fifteen, okay, five fifteen p.m. It gets dark at five thirty, right. and the pig is probably like two hundred pounds. We take this pig and uh, I shoot it, and it rolls down this fucking hill. I mean, this hill is like really steep. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous, like hard to walk up. Like, really steep to just walk. You kind of have to crawl up God. it. So we have to figure out how to get this pig out. We try to drag it up with this guy's cord. He tries to pull it with his truck. but That's it's, a good it's, word for that rope. Yeah, it's a cord. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cord keeps catching on rocks and snaps. It snaps twice. So we're like, fuck, what do we do? So we're trying we're to like, figure out what to do. Well, I, I said frick. Yeah, he <laughs> said frick. <laughs> so Steve says we should cut it. We should We should butcher it, cut it up, and then walk up the hill with it. Yeah. But Cody, the guide, says, you guys should kick it down to the bottom of the hill. There's a creek bed there, and you'd be, like, pushing it the whole way. And then at the end of it is a street, and uh, I'll come get you the street. Well, I guess he was a little off in his fucking topography. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't really recognize how fucking far the hill goes down. Right. We we were... And by the way, pushing a 200-pound pig is not like it has wheels. We tried it. We tried to push this thing for, like, I don't know, like two or three hours. First of all, I, I... yeah, I, you'd roll it and it just yeah. wind up in the in like some hellhole. And then yeah. we wind up yeah, in the hellhole. You can't all float it. You can't so float we're it down, down there. the stream. So we're down there. It's we're at the bottom now. We're nowhere near close to the road. We're fucking miles from the road, okay? And we got this pig and it's pitch black out. I mean in pitch black. You could see stars in the sky. We're hearing <laughs> twigs snap behind us because there's only like fifty mountain lines up there in Tahone oh, Ranch. Jesus. This one fucking water hole they have, he told us we have pictures of sixteen different mountain lines at what? this one water hole. It's a huge ranch. This Holy ranch is shit. This ranch is two hundred and seventy plus thousand acres. Yeah, yeah. California banned lion hunting. Yeah, so, I mean, you got you know, there's a lot of so lions. They're all over. There. They're all over the place. So Steve says, "Look, we gotta we gotta cut this thing up. There's no way we're gonna get this thing out of here. We'll cut it up. We'll we'll, we'll put it, throw each throw half over our shoulders, and we'll just carry it out." Seems most reasonable, right? <laughs> We're cutting this thing, and Steve's joking. Oh, there's a lion behind us. I hear a lion because we hear like snap. Crack. We hear like twigs snapping, and we're out there with blood all over our hands, pulling yeah. hearts out of this fucking That's thing. That's lion bait. 
Then we have to carry it, and we carry it for, what, another two fucking hours or something like that? And it's starting to get really sketchy, because it's super steep, it's dark as fuck, can't see where we're going, I'm slipping all over the place. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I've twisted my knee up, kind of fucked up, not bad, but I'm like, I'm gonna fucking break my neck. Like, this yeah. is, this is kind of crazy. We finally get to the bottom after, you know, like, who knows how many fucking hours, Cody meets us there, we wound up hanging this pig up, but where we came to just so happened to be an ancient shack that they had, that they had built during Prohibition so that Hollywood people could come up there and drink booze. They had a still... Built out of native timber with wow. fire fireplaces made out of native rock. The most amazing place. Yeah. I'm going to put it... I'm gonna, for folks who are listening right now, I'm going to throw photos of it on... Uh, I'll throw it up on Instagram while we're doing this podcast. Incredible. Was, like, you can't even imagine yeah. the work that went into this place, man. Yeah, it was really fucking it just cool. ran. It's just into the ground. It's not even, you, can't, you can't even... You can't drive to it. So it's run down and just sitting there now. It's, it's like the it's, ruins. It's beyond. There's no, there's no saving it. Huh. Yeah, it was really incredible. So you get to that thing. Yeah. We just is... hung it up off a, we hung it off a overhead, like hanging over a drainage. Wow. Yeah, this is the, this on, is the shack. So, so, so let me ask you this. Is there, is there any danger of a mountain lion coming to Well, we were attack? armed. No, but I mean. Oh, you mean night? coming and getting the meat overnight? No, I mean, oh. uh, any danger of getting attacked by a mountain lion? No, man. In the last, what, 80 years? In the last 80 years, there's been like, maybe even more than 80 years, there's been six or seven lion fatalities in that amount of Did years. Did you hear in Washington crazy. State yesterday, an 11-year-old girl shot a mountain lion that was going after her brother? You want to talk about a little gangster kid? Wow. Yeah, pull up that story. Hold on. 11-year-old. Wow. Yeah, this was yesterday. It was a 50-year-old cat, and apparently the cat was, or 50-pound cat, apparently the cat was like real skinny, and they yeah. were saying that it was probably just starving. He was hurting. That's yeah. a small cat. Yeah. Yeah, but No, lions, story. I mean, it kind of, it drives me nuts when people act like lions are, you know, any more dangerous. I mean. Well, you said after all like the They're, they're the not as dangerous lions. as yellow jackets or ground-nesting hornets, you know? I'm scared yeah. of all them, too. They so they're out there. With they can the, all go fuck themselves. Right. <laughs> they're out there with the, with the, I mean, they're feeding on these. These hogs at this place? I mean, well, oh, they got to be cleaning house on I hogs, would, man. You know, come on, you can run them down. Oh. Eleven-year-old girl kills mountain lion. Look at this little girl, and they, they got a picture of the cat. This fucking little girl, she's eleven years old, shot a fucking mountain lion. That's she shot. Ass. She shot that mountain lion. No, there's oh. uh, no, no, no. That's a picture of. A there's a picture lion. of the girl. I thought it was like it must not have been a too stressful of a <laughs> situation. She well, got nice looked pretty healthy. <laughs> well, the girl, um, she's a, apparently she's a hunter, and her her whole family hunts, and so she knew how to use a gun. Like there's a picture of her with a, a raccoon that she killed. That's available online. She knows how to use a gun, and this rack, this uh, this fucking panther was uh, coming after her brother, and she hmm. shot it. That's a crack shot for an eleven year old. No that's great. Shoot a fucking mountain lion. So find the article. Can I go back to the machine gun out of the helicopter thing? Yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> so, needless to say, well, maybe I, I will say that that's not something that I that I have any interest in. And, and but what I do have an interest in is uh, uh, talking about what good is, how good a shots you two were. I was well, just amazed. This is my favorite topic right now. Well, the, the cashmere killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I learned from Steve Vanella. I learned from the best. Well, and and. and what was so gratifying about the way you guys hunted and the way you were there, and, 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 and I'm just thinking about Brian and how that deer came down through the woods, and, you know, he's on it, and he's on it, and it's like, yep, I've got it. Boom, one shot, down it went. Mm-hmm. That's, in my book, the way it ought to be done. They call me Game Eye. Of course, it wasn't that far away, but I appreciate it. Well, you that. know what, man? I'll tell you, ever since I started practicing archery mm-hmm. and uh, practicing with bows and arrows, and I've, I've been doing it for a few months now, 
you really like shooting, aiming with a rifle when you can actually rest the rifle down on something and look through a scope. Yeah. God damn, is that easy in it's comparison effective. to a bow and arrow? It's effective. It's man. way more yeah. effective. Yeah. It's fucking hard to like to aim at something more than thirty yards away with a bow and arrow, yeah. especially like a, a live animal. For that matter, it's hard to stand with a scope and try to shoot. Yes. You know, I, I don't think you'd ever do that well, anyway, right? Well, I've been doing uh, that. I've been doing that at the range. Really? I've been, yeah, I've been doing almost all my practicing. Whole different game, right? Whole different ball game. Well, either sitting, even even sitting. I've yeah. been pra- doing almost all my practicing at the range locked into my shoulder because I remember when we were um, we were pig hunting, I had one shot, well, the one pig that I missed. I was trying to rest up against a tree, and I'd never done it before. I never take. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is a weird thing. To, yep. Like try to put the gun up against a tree, and it felt yeah. awkward. So I've been practicing just like this, just mm-hmm. sitting there like mm-hmm. this with my elbow up against my body, practicing with your knee up. Yeah, just it's way. It's a whole different thing. Just even st- I did a few standing. Yeah. It's fucking hard. It's yeah, hard I don't know many. Steady. I don't know many serious hunters who've been in a lot of situations who take even hundred yard shots without having to rest. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I would imagine, well, it's I also would better with I mean, less, yeah, less, well, less something's like heading out. Well, that yeah. yeah. In fact, that but last I mean, like generally, yeah. yeah, generally you'd you'd want to. I mean, freehand shooting out to a certain is, is real deadly out to you know at close range. But you know, you imagine the trajectory of that thing, and you know, and if you're an inch off at ten yards, you're two inches off at twenty yards, and on and on and on. And then, you, then you risk, run the risk of injuring the animal. Mm-hmm. So you know you got to be careful. Yeah, they're not, not getting it. You don't want to take but shot. rarely when you're hunting, do you get the the, the chance to shoot? Uh, you know, as we would off the bench or when we were just practicing in our place. Yeah. So you do need to be able to you know adjust and, and lean off of something. Yeah. And, and that was the other thing you did. I, when we first got in the blind, I was like, and you were kept pulling. The, I mean, I just don't do that. You know, pulling the gun up and pointing it out the window. And, I love and it. I love it. He's just, like, pointing it in different places. And I'm like, yeah, watching him. And, uh, okay. Why is, I, that, I, is that bad? <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, was, he was moving a lot. That was moving he does moving. move a lot. I move a lot. And move. I'm kinetic. And I kept trying to look through the You're scope. kinetic. I, I go through these weird games where I'm, like, pretending I'm... I'm at war and I'm looking through my scope for the, the enemy. Fuck is wrong with you? Because I'm, I'm twelve I'm at, years old. I'm at war. Twelve We're years old. I'm pretending I'm at war. I'm such a bitch. So I had I had a warm thermos in my tummy and I had all those heating pads. I stayed very toasty. But he, the point is, is that he then you know took the rest, made the shot twice. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, shot two different deer and and. I, I guess what I was going to say about shooting is that if you are in a situation where, like, a, a, I don't know if it, it made, the, I missed a, a buck on that last day that we hunted, and you know, jumped him and he ran, and you know, I had to trot, I took like three steps down the hill and he wasn't very far away, I just clean missed. And, uh, but I will, I practice shooting that way. I mean, I don't shoot a lot, but I will actually practice, you know, freehand, but I'm not, you're right, I'm not going to shoot. 100 yards or 150 yards at something, but 50 or 75. I mean, I've killed yeah. a lot of deer really close mm-hmm. well, because they get up and it's run It's amazing and how when you get that deer in your sights, you know, like everything goes away, right? I mean, it's just like it, it almost feels – it's almost like that's the rush when Steve, you have a – Yeah, you're not thinking about your chore list. Do you have no. an Instagram? Do you have an Instagram? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Helen <laughs> says yeah. <laughs> he says no. What is it? Meat Eater Trophy TV? Country. Meat Eater TV. Oh, Meat Eater TV. Steve's is Steven Okay. It's, oh. Steve's is Steven Ranella? Okay. Um, I've been doing videos <laughs> on my Instagram with Brendan Shaw. Well, we're not asking about you, are we? I was gonna. Well, I'll show it to you later. Remind. I'm me. not really interested. Oh no, you are. <laughs> I want you know. There's, there's, I, I want to make. I want to. I want to have Doug talk about like the man, like the the man, like the his, the deer on his place and all that. 
But one yeah. thing that's just really bugging the hell out of me is last time I was on here, I uh, I said something wrong. Oh, okay. I was talking about Tohon Ranch, and I said they have Tule elk, which is a native elk in California. Yeah. There's like, you know, the elk are divided like Rocky Mountain elk, Tule's, Roosevelt's. And I was saying they had Tule's, which is the native California elk on Tohon. They don't. There are some real close to there. God, but those God. are Rocky Mountains. Thank God you cleared that up because it's been bugging me. Well, it's, it's been driving it's, me nuts, it's, man. It's, but no, it is important because the Thule elk aren't as big. The Rocky Mountain elk are unusual for that area. And the only place in California that has them is Tohon Ranch. And, and they, they, they busted free yeah. from some guy who had a captive facility and they busted free 50 years ago and now run wild out there. Oh, wow. It's incredible. Yeah. We only got to see a few of them. But we tankers, man. Yeah, huge because they don't have a winter problem like a lot of the elk in the mountains oh, right, do. Right, right. Like, I mean, it, there was snow while we were up there, but it's not snow where they don't have food. They no, have they're getting food fat. They're probably round. putting fat on right now. These you know? fucking elk were giants. Yeah. They're gi- we saw we saw some cows. And we saw one bull from a distance, but Steve picked up a shed that was like a fucking limb on a hundred year old oak tree. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was huge. It was longer than both of my arms. It fucking God. Huge. No, they they, God. they they I mean they regularly, you know. What do they weigh? Oh, I mean, oh, thousand two, you know, twelve hundred pounds. Yeah, that's a huge, horse. That's the size bigger, of a horse. No, they're huge out there. Huge out there. And but anyway, I should oh. tell everybody that's interested: you can hunt at that place. They were so, they were kind enough to to bring us up there and let Steve and I hunt there. But you know, anybody can go hunting there. You hire a guide and you pay for it. It's not cheap, but it is a game rich place. If you're yeah, you'll get for a, a pig, place, man. You know, you'll, I mean, or that's, deer. That's yeah, but the most economical. Can you, can you thing, hunt elk up yeah. there or no? Yes, you can. They Hour do. They do. They do. Yeah, you can, and they do a very. Like, I think that they're saying they, I mean, they kill, like, honestly, they kill a handful of elk off that place every year. Yeah. Right. Six, but they kill, they kill thousands of pigs off that place every year. It's unbelievable. They, got, they do really bad. aggressive, they because do really they, aggressive pig culling well, out they of that place. they have to. I heard you can't shoot your way out of a pig culling problem, a big pig no. problem. No, but, they keep a handle on me, but they, 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 I mean, throughout the year, on average, they're killing mo- like many, like several a day just to keep a, just to, Keep grips on it. You know? Look at that! Look at Joe! Look at that! That's the pig. That we now shot. that's a that is that looks that's got a long snout. Is that a is that a, it's a wild pig? That's very that's a Ru- wild. Yeah, it's a very Russian looking Eurasian yeah. pig. You know that Tahone Ranch. If you're in LA and you're looking for a place to hunt, that is a game rich environment, and it's only an hour and a half outside of LA. Real nice folks who run that place. And that dude Cody Plank is solid. Yeah, very very yeah. nice. He's guy. got Mike Toth out there. Yeah. Solid. Very guy. nice guys. Both of them. We had a great time. Cody was your guide. Yeah. Yep. He took us out, showed us everything. I mean, the place is gigantic. We saw at least 50 deer. We saw at least, I don't know how many fucking pigs. 100 easily. Easily 100 pigs. In the two days that we were there, we saw about maybe seven or eight elk. We saw turkeys. We saw about a dozen turkeys. We saw everything. I I got a buddy in New Mexico whose buddy works out there, like at an administrative level out there. And he kept telling, over the years, and this guy hunts like a lot of, you know, serious backcountry hunting, my friend in New Mexico. He kept saying, man, you gotta go out and see this to home place. You would never in a million years guess that's sitting there. Never. And then you get up way up high and there's like cedar. It's like, there's a Incredible. ton of different biotypes there, you know. You get way up high and there's like cedars and it's just like, you couldn't imagine... You can then like drive out of there and go down to LAX and fly. Yeah, an hour and a yeah. half. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's it nuts, is man. so badass. Not only that, it's a private ranch, so there's not that many people up there. How big it's is not how big is the ranch? In. Like when you say I already ranch. told you, you weren't paying attention. Quarter million he acres. He doesn't listen. A quarter million acres. If you're acres. talking and he's not, if he doesn't get to talk, he doesn't listen. No, I'm not good with numbers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but I, but I, I do want to get something because I, I do want to bring up something uh, like management. You know, so they they work really hard. Out there, 
they work hard to keep a grip on the pigs because pigs are hard on ground nesting birds. For instance, there used to be a lot of quail out there. They suspect, and, and tur- there used to be a lot of turkeys out there. And antelope. They suspect that they've seen a. They suspect that one of the things that might be going on with the quail out there is just pigs, you know, because they, they hammer eggs. Mm-hmm. They like to eat ground eggs and birds, so they do a lot to do that. But in general, but I, but I want to bring up I want to bring up deer. I want like oh, I want to talk about deer in Southwest deer. Wisconsin. Look at that place. That's that's the pig's wow. ranch. Before we talk about deer, the wow. other thing was the two pictures. You had the one of the hogzilla, mm-hmm. and that looked like a domestic pig. That I mean, yeah, yeah. man. And we used to raise on the farm. We used yeah, to, we used, when I was snout. a kid, we had big, short right. snout as opposed to the one yeah, that as I opposed shot. to the Eurasian, and that was a good in, in multicolored different ones. Yeah. But then yeah. you go to New Zealand. I hunted pigs in New Zealand, and every one of those pigs looks like something that's walked off a farm. They yeah. look they look gray, and then you throw them in a crick, and they get the mud off them, and they'll be like black and white and brown. Crack, man. crack is a crick. If it has, a, if crack it has, no, crick. Yeah. A, crick, yeah. a, crick. a crick is a crick. According to Patrick McManus, if you can find automotive parts in it, <laughs> it's a crick. <laughs> if it's clean, it's a creek, and this is most certainly crick like. Like if you went up and down, you'd find a spare tire, <laughs> making it a crick. But the other thing about pigs too is uh, when I was a kid, we had uh, pigs. Forgot you were here. I keep trying to. I keep trying to tee. I keep trying to tee it off. It's his first time in in, on, in the media. Give him a break. I'm trying to tee Doug off. To talk sorry, about his damn farm. Go on, Doug. Doug. So let me talk about the Please. farm for a minute. Then. Please. Do. Uh, <laughs> we raised pigs when I was a kid, and uh, had you know there were chickens on the farm at, at one point. We had dairy cattle and all that kind of stuff. But the pigs were never anything. When you say domestic, you could see where where as soon as the fence is open, they're gone. You know they aren't. They're not like Holsteins or even the Herefords that you saw or the Angus that I had there. That'll you know they'll come around. And they'll just stand there by and stuff. And pigs were they were pretty quick to. He's like, if I get out of here, I'm going to eat that some bitch and then go into the woods. <laughs> yeah, so they'll they'll, 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 they'll naturally forage. They'll just go to the woods. Right, and and his his uh, Steve's comment about uh, about the eggs or the quail and the turkey makes complete sense because they're you know they're. What are we calling it? Rooting around in the rooting. They're rooting. <laughs> rooting. They're rooting around. <laughs> rooting about. Rooting. Uh, and and that's what they do. So they're always you know tearing stuff up. So anything that's a, a ground nester is going to be, of course, it's going to be in harm's way. So yeah. it makes complete sense that that's an issue. Quail ain't doing much against the pig. And one one sow pig has, you know, sixteen, you know, between ten and twenty little ones each time they they. Uh, I wonder how. And they'll crank out multiple a year. <laughs> Meanwhile, a deer is putting off one or two fawns a year. <laughs> yeah. Back to the darn deer again. You I wonder how <laughs> animal rights activists feel about pig hunting because that is clearly an animal that you have to control their population. Yeah, it, like that's the thing. In when I went to New Zealand, all, all the animals in New Zealand are not all, not all the animals, but you know, all, all, game animals. Yeah, the game animals are all introduced, and there, the um, the guys that like to hunt there. Are always complaining about the greenies, you know, and their complaint oh. about the greenies in New Zealand is the greenies want to kill all the animals. Oh, that's hilarious! Because they want to preserve something. Oh, they yeah, want to the preserve natural. native. They want to right. preserve you well, know New Zealand native ecosystems. Major. So like these damn greenies would like to get up in the helicopters and shoot all the animals. <laughs> that's like, hilarious. That's the opposite. <laughs> <of> <laughs> well, <laughs> their greenies are not. Well, you're allowed to do crazy shit there. Like you could hunt Canadian goose with a rifle, right? Oh, I mean, you do a lot crazier than that. I mean, there's no. They no have tax, active. Right? Well, they have active programs. They have active programs where there's like government shooters who are just shooting because they have no predators. Well, they well, can't introduce predators. Yeah, they can't do that. No, because they have they have the sheep is a huge. 
Well, they, sheep cause a major problem with pollution, apparently. Sheep. Well, is that their, true? Pay, their take on is yeah. they're not going to introduce. They're not going to introduce methane stuff gas. Up over there. Methane gas. <laughs> well, like, I mean, great. I mean, there's all kinds. It literally of- was a problem. Smog was a problem in New Zealand. Look this up. It was a problem from from their yes from their farts from the methane gas. But I don't think methane forms a smog. It does form a smog, and it it was a major issue in New Zealand. Methane gas was a major smog problem, and I don't know if it still is. I doubt they put you know devices on their asses to you know. I heard they put bags. They put. Are you fact? Are you fact? So Doug, this place you got right? (laughs) Well, I'm curious about this now. Fle- sheep flatulence oh my God. pollution law. Oh, there you I, go. I believed him because he said, look it up. Yeah. Other times he just says it uh, with authority and expects you to believe it. He doesn't bullshit. No, no I just Brian, say Brian Callen talks a lot, but he doesn't bullshit. No, I know what I'm saying. That's incredible. Isn't that amazing? Well, it's an issue in California, too. I knew it was an issue in Pennsylvania. My parents used to live in Harrisburg, and there was an area that I used to drive. When I was living in New York, I'd drive uh, to Pennsylvania. There was an area where you could not roll your fucking window oh, yeah. down. You yeah. couldn't do it. Those, those, you would die. Manure pools. <laughs> Just like it smelled so like ammonia. Bad. Yeah. yeah. So bad. It stunk oh. so horribly. It made you not want to eat meat. It really did. You know, in when when uh, we I went to China... Uh, when I literally in 1985, okay, I think it was in fact it was 1983. I was with my family, went to the mainland of China, and <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this. There's we go to a restaurant in Canton. Where is that? Doesn't matter. Oh, you told me about this. And underneath the restaurant were pigs. So under the restaurant were pigs, a lot of pigs. The pigs were eating the shit. That so you you would take a dump and it would come down and the pigs would eat the shit and then they would eat all the slops from the restaurant but they were eating human feces and then they were eating those pigs and then they were eating those pigs. There reminds me that joke. It's like that joke. The punchline is I had lunch with them two weeks ago Monday. You know that joke? No. Oh, never mind. But that that was that. <laughs> I, I think that was always the, that wasn't that always the job of a of pigs? Didn't they eat really gross stuff? Like they'll that? eat anything. Yeah, man. my really dad. Will. My yeah. dad used anything? to always say, "You lay there long enough, and he'll eat you." That was like his. Oh, yeah. they will. That's the number one animal yeah. that kills uh, life, livestock that uh, kills farmers. Pigs. Oh, really? Yeah, a guy died recently. They think he might have had a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, I think it was in uh, Washington State. He fell into his uh, pigsty, and they just fucking devoured him. They found his clothes, like parts of his clothes wow. left. Yeah. Well, they, they say that the mafia you, in, in like Italy would Well, there's in that movie the Snatch. Remember the movie Snatch? Yeah, yeah and it's in uh, the Deadwood. They, they oh, disposed the car. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the, but it is true. It is, there it is. There's a the scene. They'll eat yeah. your head and everything, huh? There's a the scene. Clean it up. <laughs> that guy was awesome. The best thing to do is feed them to pigs. You've got to starve the pigs for a few days. Then the sight of a chopped up body will look like curry to a piss head. You've got to shave the heads of your victims and pull the teeth out for the sake of the piggish digestion. You could do this afterwards, of course, but you don't want to go sieving through pig shit now, do you? They will go through bone like butter. You need at least 16 pigs to finish the job in one setting, so be wary of any man who keeps a pig farm. They will go through a body that weighs 200 pounds in about eight minutes. That means that a single pig can consume two pounds of uncooked flesh every minute. Hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. God, is that guy freaky? <laughs> oh my that god! Awesome. That was a great character. That Woo, guy. What a great! Really? I just realized I've never seen that movie. You never seen Snatch? No. 
Really? I've never oh, seen it. Fucking tremendous movie. Really? That's Guy Ritchie's masterpiece. Wow, I gotta yeah. see that. Oh, uh, that's a great movie, man. That's I liked Lock, Sock, and Two of Smoking Barrels. That's the, the you, so you never saw the the uh, Brad Pitt character. I saw the a boxer? little of it where he's a boxer. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he has the the accent that was yeah. what people say. Gypsy. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Gypsy. Is it, what's, what's the word cock, Cockney? Is it, no, it's not Cockney. No, it's, it's like Cockney's not. It's, yeah, it's a gypsy oh. accent. They have like a gibberish sort of a way of talking where you really can't understand them. It's gotcha. really difficult did, to I, uh, understand. They use rhyming slang and stuff. I've I've heard it in in uh, London. You can't understand a thing they're saying. He travels. He's worldwide. I, I won't lie to you. I travel a great deal. <laughs> what were we talking about right before the podcast started? Where I who said, cares? We're talking to, about oh, me now. I said yes. you have to bring this up on the podcast. Oh yeah, about about um. So I did a podcast today. With a guy from Crack.com, Dan O'Brien, who wrote a really funny book called How to Fight Presidents. And, and he literally took every president in the history of America to see who was the baddest ass, who was the one guy you wouldn't want to fight, and who would win in a fight if they were pitted against each other. It's, like, it's in some ways the greatest book of all time. Uh, like I, I said, I go, this is, is going to be the greatest podcast of all time. It was the funniest thing because we got into a heavy, heated argument about... Who would win in a fight? And you got to put a couple presidents up at the top of the list. You got to put Abe Lincoln because he was renowned for his physical strength. There it is. It's he about fought, he fought vampires too, right? Well, he did. If but he used an axe. Movie? He used an axe. But Abe Lincoln was six four and had what's that that disease where your arms are longer? You have really long arms, like longer than your body. He had crazy length, and he was he was known to be really strong and and very very tough. Like he was. You honest he was a honest Abe was. Yeah. I'm you sorry. Also, Honest Abe was. Honest Abe was. I think you also have to think of people that lived during that era. They were a lot tougher. Oh, yeah. They, they grew up doing everything with their hands, right? Yeah. Building things. Andrew Jackson was a genocide. I mean, he committed a little something called genocide. If you talk to historians, they're like, well, he he killed a great deal of Native Americans with extreme prejudice. So he... That... He, that I don't know. What, what do you think? That's not a... I wouldn't... That's a strong word. It's a strong well, what word. What do you think? It's yeah, a well, strong hold on. Steve I don't think disease. I don't think disease transmission counts. I agree with you. Is that what? But he anyways, did? I, I, he I, did I, lead. He did. He was a soldier, and 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 did. I mean, he was a. He, he clearly probably killed a lot of men with his bare hands. I would. I mean, not with his bare hands, but certainly with a gun or a knife. I mean, he was a pretty warlike fella. Yeah. And in fact, challenged. He had a number of duels. Historians are actually. Uh, he got shot. And lived most of his life with a bullet in his rib cage. He had shitty guns back then. Well, Andrew, yeah, Andrew, yeah. <laughs> but 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 he had it. Clean through. He had. There, there's a debate on how many duels he actually had. When you have, when there's a debate on how many duels, and you you're a fucking president. You're, you're a bad motherfucker. Or you're an idiot. Right. You keep getting in duels. Well, he got shot because he let the guy take the first shot. He goes, take the first shot. Guy shot him. Then he shot the guy and lived that way for the rest of his life. He he had he had a, a gaping. Wound that would, you know, cause problems periodically. Anyway. You take the first shot. That's what he said. <laughs> so he's you, got, you got Andrew Jackson, who's six two. He was drunk. Athletic. That just seems George, like a bad idea. He had to be drunk. Probably George Washington, six four, who was a tough guy. George Washington was six four. Yes, he was. People weren't that big that day. I know. He was a giant. How tall are you? Six four. Jesus Christ! Yeah. George Washington was as big yeah. as this motherfucker. So is so is George Lyndon. Washington could have beat Doug up. So no, is, no, no, no. So no, is Lyndon Johnson. I got Johnson. my money on Doug. George has wooden teeth. He's got a <laughs> fucking goofy wig on. You pull that wig off, he's all insecure about his hair. That long coat that's going to get caught up in his <laughs> well, legs. Yeah, you pull that wig off, he's not going to know what the fuck to do. He's, he's not going to search for his wig. You kick him in the dick. Next thing you know, you're pulling out his wooden teeth and beating the shit out of him. There it is. I got but my then, money on Doug. But then there was Lyndon Johnson, who is also six four. But Teddy Roosevelt, who practiced, who boxed, wrestled. And practice judo with the guy who brought judo to the United States, the the first judo guy, 
and was obsessed with all things wrestling and fighting. He was about 5'10 and very thick, but a very sickly kid, died of heart disease, had a weak heart. So I don't know. My thing is Gerald Ford played football and could have played for the Bears as a middle linebacker. That says a lot when you play in the NFL. So I might have to go with uh, – we had a huge discussion about this for a, a good hour I go with on Lincoln. the Brian Callen show, <laughs> and uh, it was a good time. I got Lincoln. So, but no, that's not what no, you were talking, what you're talking oh, about. I'm sorry. Talking so, then, about is- so then he said – I said, what about Barack Obama? And he got quiet. Dan's a comedian, really good guy. He got quiet, and he said, well, I can't really – you know, I, I'd rather leave that alone. I said, why? He said – well, I try not to. You try not to include any living presidents because it, it caused too much trouble. I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, I went through sort of a thing about how you know Barack Obama's not that tough a president, and it'd be easy to kick his ass." And uh, you know, it, I was doing it tongue in cheek. You know, you'd probably kick him here, and he's kind of skinny, and you could. T- and he gets a call from the Secret Service because he posted it as a blog. He posted it as a blog from Crack.com. Well, he said the reason the only blog that's not up there anymore is that because he got called down to the federal building, I believe. I think that's what he said. It's on my podcast. And he had to go line by line with these agents on what he meant by what he was saying. And he was like, well, I said, you know, I said uh, dick tornado instead of a penis cyclone because it's kind of funnier. He was trying to teach them. Humor. These guys were totally <laughs> fucking humorless. <laughs> he got all nervous. He was like apologizing. He made they made him take it down, and it was a chapter that was omitted from the book, I believe. So that I was like, we live in America. How I mean, now? You have to be careful when you threaten the president. You will get called. But guys, guys, come on, come on, man. I mean, and and he took. They probably had, can't. They probably can't. Well, they said there's the probably no way to go. Like, yeah, they probably knew. Of course, he's joking. But there's a thing that there's, you set in motion a certain well, set That's of, what happens because they said we, we will subpoena everybody that made a comment yeah. on your on the blog like kick his ass and, 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 and Dan said well it's a bunch of 14 year olds have fun with that and the, the main guy had called him first he goes look I know you're kidding I know you got a sense of humor you got to go down and talk to these guys it's just the way it is pal it's yeah, I, I, I had shotgun ammo in my bag one time going through the, the TSA uh-huh. line in Anchorage and they're like, you got shotgun ammo in your bag. And I'm like, hey, I said, I know me and my brother. Or, I didn't know, but me and my brother were ptarmigan hunting this morning. I kind of like, and they say, and everyone's like, of course that makes sense. Of course we know that that's true. Yeah. But now, because you did this, we now got to act a yep. certain way and run through a whole set of things. Yep. And it's really annoying that you had that shit in your bag. Dumbass. Yeah. yeah. You know? Same thing happened to me when I was going up to Alaska last summer. I had three rounds, thirty-six rounds, and a glove pair of gloves that I just threw in the bag at the at the last minute. And uh, yeah, they they took that real seriously. They get to sniffing around. No, there you go. Well, there's the you know the, live rounds in your bag, sir. And I, I was I had no idea that could be a problem. Yeah, but without the rifle or. A, Gun to shoot him. I don't know what was going to do. Hit a hit him with a nail at the back. Of but my you shoot. can't even you can't fly with a shotgun choke. What's I just a sh- got a new a shotgun I, choke. It's a thing like it, what a shotgun barrel on the end of the barrel. Like there's a mon- there's constriction or not. And so when you talk about like you heard the term full choke. Okay, full choke is like tightly constricted. Anyways, the, now they make shotguns that have a threaded. Sure. sure yeah. <laughs> now they make shotguns. <laughs> 
I can have see, a threaded it. I can end. see it on your forehead. Oh, yeah, full choke. <laughs> I, not a partial choke, because I always go for the full choke, but keep going. So there's like improved cylinder, modified cylinder, full choke, ski choke. Yeah. So they make a threaded fitting. You're talking about they make a now, threaded right? fitting. They make a threaded thing on the end, and you can put in variable chokes. Oh, okay? okay. That one in the middle has okay. a variable choke. Okay. Why do I have a boner right now? That's so weird. <laughs> keep going. The one on the right has a variable choke. Okay. Oh, I see. So, yeah, fixed. All right. So, anyways, yeah. you can't fly the choke. And I used to think like, that's ridiculous, but then I started realizing. What if you and like twenty of your buddies all have some dinky little shit and gun part, and you're all waiting in line to get on the plane? That's right. You're like, well, it's just a barrel. Well, well they, what? <laughs> it's just a barrel, and it's like I just got a trigger. That's what. That's what the, the national security. They always talk about now with 3D printers, the the threat of being able to print your own gun. That's a big yeah. That's a big issue. They're, yeah, that's. I was just talking with someone about that. Yeah, I got pulled out of line uh, flying to Washington D.C. from Madison, or no, from Green Bay. Uh, with a, a, I was going to, uh, some friends lived in, in the DC area and I was going to help them with a patio. They said, Hey, we'll pay for you to come out if you want to help us with this patio. So I'll put that out there if you ever need any patio work, that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Sure. Um, and I was late getting to the plane. And so I didn't have a, I, I just had both my bags. I was going to check one. And I had a Mason's chisel and a stone hammer in there. Guys, like you can't go on there with those things. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, to myself, a oh. Mason's chisel and a hammer, <laughs> and, and, and a stone hammer. And yeah. by the way, you're big enough to actually kill an entire plane <laughs> well, with those two <laughs> with those two weapons. Like, you know what's weird? They're very arbitrary about that. Like, you can't bring a pool cue on, but you could bring a skateboard. And if I had to fight a guy and he had a pool cue and I had a skateboard, I would fuck him up with a skateboard. <laughs> Skateboards are you really so? hard to break. You'd be hard. Yeah, you'd are. be hard to land a shot. With a pool cue on a guy who's got a skateboard by the trucks. Well, school, pool cues like, break. Yeah. Defending. Yeah. Pool they cues break. break. They break pretty easy. I've seen guys break, get mad at a, a shot and whack their stick and snap even the butt. They can break the butt. Yeah, but he could put, just put some kind of rod inside there and make a really tough pool cue. You could I, do that. You could do that, but I'm assuming the, they're going to I understand it. where they're coming from. I mean... It's gotta be, but they'll let, you take, they'll let you take deer antlers on if you cover the tines. Well, you could wreak havoc. I put, I'd attach that, I'd attach that, that to my head. head yeah. Attach that to my head and just run, run, shoot, ape shit through the fucking. Uh. By just, the way, by the way, they had there was a story about this huge, this huge. Um, I, there's a story. He he was he played in the NFL for a long time as a defensive end. He's a giant man. Are you gonna name drop? No, I don't know his name, but he he got crazy on the plane. What? Because he had a he has he's bipolar. He's he's not oh, no. tried to pull the door off the plane mid flight. Oh Christ! So he's trying to pull the door off this. He's two hundred and seventy pounds, all muscle, played in the NFL, and nobody knew what to do. He was having an episode. Finally, I think instead of attacking him because everybody would have died, the stewardess talked him down to sit down. He ended up going to jail for it. But I think about how scary that would be with a giant trying to pull. A door off a plane. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary Joe- shit, man, because it, if you get a plane full of cowards, you really fucked. You know, yeah. if you get a plane full of cowards or people with asthma or something, you know, you got a real situation going on, man. What? <laughs> cowards it, 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 and asthma. Nothing probably, emboldens, <laughs> nothing probably emboldens a plane full of cowards quite like some dude trying to rip the door open. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one fear, one fear overrides the other fear. Think how long it takes to open up a door. It doesn't take that long. And, you know, it's anybody actually really hesitates. hard on a plane. Yeah, because the, I, I imagine, imagine the, the, the vacuum and the... Yeah, but, like that kind of stuff. You basically but the, can't the, do but it. But turning the... Le- you can't, really? No, you basically can't do it in mid-flight. It's, it's oh, but it's just the physical power... Yeah, involved. Yeah, hmm. you can't. Has anybody it. ever done it? No. I never heard of it. You can blow a door off, but you can't, you know. 
And so, and, and oh, also, and also, this um, guy's man, great. everything Brian Callen says just winds up getting validated. You can look it and, up. And, Unless and, Brian writes, makes all these little things. He comes in with a USB drive full of all these little documents he's made wait, up. Here's a really cool piece of trivia. Here's a crazy, I just found out. This is a crazy piece of trivia. If you shot a 30 odd six at a plane window, at the cockpit window, it would, it would stop it. The window would stop. I believe that. I didn't. Uh, that's surprising. I mean, I should me. say. I mean, yeah, because I imagine that's the stuff because you because you could potentially hit something at four or five hundred miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, that's how thick it is. It it, it actually would stop a. Uh, a What's well, really outside. fucked is that they go down because of birds. Like that's a real common thing. Sucking in it? the engines. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah that yeah. dude landed in the Hudson. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know how they keep birds away from runways? Hunters. No, well, they hire people. They poison them and shoot them. Nope. And, nope. Yeah, they yeah, get away with that. No, no, no. What you mean to say is, what you mean to say is, like, no. In addition to that, but but in in well, for example, in addition to that, don't say no. The fucking guy's right. Well, well. In addition to that, if I may, if I may, in in Afghanistan, for example, when in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan, when you know where they were in Kabul, in Kabul and in Kandahar. <laughs> where where they when they when they're always taken off right so how do they keep birds away they had a lot of so you, do you know what they do take one guess come on think what? It's kind I of just wild. took a, I, I I did better than taking guess I just named a litany but you're but you're a liar so here's <laughs> the thing no you're right but here's what they do they they get peregrine falcons they get two peregrine falcons and they literally fly the per, f, peregrine fla, falcons in a circle around the airport. And, and the birds, birds don't want to get up. They stay the fuck away from. Yeah, they stay away from the from the from the falcon. I, which was surprising to me. The, all of them see the peregrine falcon. They're like, I want to stay away from that. And all the birds stay down. So then you got to put out. a transmitter on the falcon so no one sucks that into his engine. Well, I don't know, but they the guy had it on his arm, and that's how they did it. So that's pretty surprising. I didn't know that at the mm. time of European contact. We had X number of white-tailed deer living in this country. (laughs) (laughs) And they were nearly decimated at a point in time. Now we have 100 million deer, far, far, far more white-tailed deer live here now than at any time in history. Doug will jump in at any point. When Doug was a kid, what was a big deal, Doug? It was a big deal to see a deer around our area. I mean, he you, would run home and tell his people mom would and dad. get in the car and drive out. I mean, you go out in the evening. I mean, we still drive, get out in the evening and drive around and look for deer, but you know, you're really disappointed if you don't see any. But uh, you went up north hunting. My grandfather, um, according to my dad, who never makes anything up, uh, hunted deer, would go over to the Baraboo Hills on the edge of the Driftless area, and that was the only place there were white tailed deer. And I, as a kid, I, I just don't remember seeing that many deer. My dad used to go up north deer hunting, and they would bring deer back from up there but then when i got to be 14 when i was in um you know in high school and started playing basketball and whatnot uh we couldn't go away for opening weekend we went north the first couple of years so you know we'd go up north and hunt like crazy to see one or two deer and and not get one and uh so then when i was 14 um we started hunting on the farm i'm like wow look at all these i got a deer right away mm. Um, but when, but you're absolutely right that that the management of the of the white-tailed deer in in Wisconsin is a real success story, even though you know newspaper articles and and whatnot to the contrary that that it's been such a well. Some would argue too much of a success because it wasn't to like the, for the last few years you couldn't shoot a buck until you killed a doe. Right. Um, we had a thing called earn a buck. In fact, we still do after you shoot your first buck. Um, we kind of got into that whole thing about 
how many tags can you get? And it's like, well, in our area, you can get as many, you can shoot as many deer as you have bullets for. Mm. Um, but you're absolutely right. And, and well, they're such an adaptable creature. My sister lives up in uh, the town, uh, a city called Oshkosh, and on, it's a, they live kind of on the edge of town. Well, not really that, that much the edge of town, but there's a little uh, quarry there and a armory and whatnot. And they have wildlife problems there, uh, deer and turkeys both. Um, and they've had to do a whole thing where they, they brought in, uh, well, they, they bring in snipers to shoot them because there were a bunch of bow hunters that said that they would do it. Well, just let us come in and we'll do right. it. Yeah, it's like, it. well, why would we have the public do it when we can pay government <laughs> officials? <laughs> yeah, why well, we they have, weren't government officials. This yeah, is private, oh, private oh, yeah, snipers. Why, yeah, why would we have the public pay to be able to do it when we could just pay someone else to come in and do it real discreet and quiet well, that's what's going on right now in the hamptons yeah you know the stories going coming from the hamptons they have a huge deer problem in the hamptons where all these you know multi-million dollar estates and giant houses up there and they're going to hire snipers yeah they're dicking around with trying to give the deer uh contra- contraceptives oh, yeah. hundreds of thousands snipers. of dollars are going to spend trying to eradicate these deer with birth control and with snipers wow i had a landscape business in door county which is the thumb of wisconsin and you know, so it's a lot of folks from Chicago and, and Milwaukee and Madison who have places up there. And one person would want to raise hostas and all these exotic flowers and whatnot, and the next one would want to see deer. So they're and the fe- deer they're would fe- eat the flowers. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. you'd pull into places and the deer would be laying right in the back. My, my mother in Connecticut, yeah, spent, well, the, she spent like literally, <laughs> like I don't know how long, planting this be- beautiful garden. I remember she had like flowers and stuff. The minute they bloomed, man, literally it was a, just a decimation. The deer came in and just ate them all. My mother want, went to the store to go find a crossbow. Said, I want to buy a crossbow. <laughs> and the guy goes, for what? She goes, because I want to kill all the deer on my, uh, on my property. She had a garden. It wasn't a big, it wasn't like it was a yard. And the guy goes, you can't kill a bunch of deer. It's not legal. She goes, I don't care. I'm going to kill the deer. And then he had to explain to her like what kind of it's a little, it would little be. more involved. It's a little more involved than that. But uh, <laughs> she literally was going to kill, you know, she never shot a crossbow, but she was going to, she thought it'd be easy. I had a client in Door County, a, a, a older woman that um, liked the deer, but she really liked all her, her, her different gardens and whatnot as well. And, and somewhere along the line, she got this idea that if you buried wine bottles upside down, sticking out of the ground, in a perimeter around your place, that the deer would hit those, you know, they'd oh, like wow. with their, and then they wouldn't they wouldn't come in any further. And it'd blow their mind, and they'd be like, "No way, am I going in there?" Glass. So she was, yeah. So she was <laughs> she was drinking a lot of wine to surround that place too, but uh, which I, I was, may have been a part of the whole. Sounds floor, like an I'm excuse, sure. yeah, yeah, excuse for an alcohol. But you'd go in here. <laughs> what they got going on in this area where we hunted in November is. You know, it, what's going on in the state of Wisconsin, a bunch of other states, is you have CWD, the chronic wasting disease. Chronic wasting disease is the deer and elk version of mad cow. So it's with, with cow, we say mad cow, or like with Jacob, uh, Jacob Christ. Yeah. yeah. And then you have in sheep, scrapey. Mm-hmm. Deer and elk, they call it chronic wasting disease. So how are they? So doing? far, they, they, they haven't found, and, and some people say like we wouldn't know yet, but they haven't found where any human has contracted, you know, hasn't contracted mad cow from, well, it's Jacob Christfeld in the human, mm-hmm. hasn't contracted from deer and elk. Mm. It hasn't happened yet. But a lot of states are taking measures to try to get a handle on this, and they're, they're taken where you can't move, some, some states you can't move deer bones from other states into the state, you can't move deer bones out of the state. Um, one thing that could be driving the transmission of this is just having way too many 
deer. Another thing that drives transmission of, of, of deer diseases, bringing them into like an unnatural proximity is, is baiting deer. So you go out and put a bunch of corn down, you get eight deer standing there, nose to nose to nose, all eating corn. It's not, they're not configured in a way that's really replicable in, in a natural setting. Like deer tend to graze a little bit further apart and they're not sharing, swapping spit quite so much. Mm. In Wisconsin, they got the CWD area where they're trying to coal knock back numbers so we're on the northern edge of what they call the cwd management zone and actually right before i came out here i checked the map to see how close uh they test deer obviously they test deer for it um and it the the latest ones are about three miles south of the farm so next year um everything's getting tested Mm. Um, You'll send the heads in to get tested. Well, actually, what they uh, a friend of mine actually has a check station now, and um, I, and I didn't know that um, this year. But uh, uh, she she was trained to take the lymph nodes, so you don't have to take the head and do all that kind of Got stuff. You. So it's a much simpler process. And, but the thing is, no one really knows what it means yet. Well, right, and and they have all these recommendations, and you guys remember when when we were butchering, we were uh, other than the front legs, everything was boned. And right. so you're, and you're staying, you stay away from the spine and that's you know, where you get stuff. it, right? So if you eat the meat, well, if you get the meat, you, you the prions are like the prions concentrate in the brain, in the brain and spinal the, fluid, yeah. spinal yeah. column. So even if it was a deer that had it right. by not, you know, messing with the spine and, and whatnot, you, 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 you'll be okay. That's the theory. Cause the way they were bumping it from animal to animal is, you know, it was like bone meal. So oh, wow. yeah, 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 like yeah. You, that's, how, that's how you're transmitting around. And mm. one of the big arguments against pen raising livestock to have like faux hunting facilities is that cwd jumped to our wild herds from captive animals um i think the ground the ground zero is in wisconsin or minnesota it's the, in southern, the first time it jumped yeah uh, uh south of us and if you in wisconsin yeah, yeah. so um, on the on the south side of the wisconsin river and <clears throat> it was interesting because you were uh speculator had some information that i hadn't heard before about how it had been transferred and whatnot, but raising uh, white-tailed deer as a uh, as a as a domesticated animal has actually become fairly you know, one of the big things is antlers. Yeah, because you can grow bigger antlers if and you got them. Giving them all this stuff and 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 whatnot, and you know, it's it in Wisconsin that is uh, regulated by the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection, whereas. Wild deer, and so those are domesticated deer, and wild deer are the purview of the Department of Natural Resources, and the two don't. So the the the, the deer farmers want to stay in the Department of Agriculture, and the DNR would like to have a little more control over that. Um, yeah, because if you because like the, the the wildlife that's held in the public trust is at detriment from a lot of that deer farming. That's exact. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm always I'm actually amazed in the two times I've hunted how well and maybe i'm wrong about this but how well the government does in conservation efforts and in policing you know the whole hunt game well look what happened when we didn't man you got up in the 1920s and 1930s and we we were not just running out i mean we were going to run out of a lot of game animals i mean it was on the horizon that we were going to lose many many species of ducks we're going to lose the wild turkey we're going to lose deer lose the elk lose the bighorn sheep all to hunting on on, on, uh, like, uh, yeah, like a perfect storm of things. Yeah. Unregulated market hunting being one of the, I'm not trying to downplay the role, one of the principal factors. Mm-hmm. But it was going on in conjunction with a lot, you know, a lot of habitat destruction and other things. But yeah, just shooting it and selling it. 
Unregulated hunting. What what animal? And then is... not even like not not regulating what kind of weapons you use. You could set charges packed with ball bearings up in trees to blow roosting turkeys out of the trees. I mean, it's just like it was a free for all, and it was, you know, like Daniel Boone, man, he killed <clears throat> hundred eight or hundred sixteen bears in one year one time, wow. hunting on the big hunting on the big sandy in Kentucky. So, wow, unregulated market hunting would did cause a lot of damage. When it came to the 1920s and 1930s, that's when we got this idea where we were going to get aggressive, and we didn't do it a second, you know, too soon. And we, we came up with certain things like we have hunting seasons, bag limits, seat like a, a, a ban on the sale of game, wild game. So when, you're, when you go into a restaurant, when you go into a wild game restaurant in the U.S., you're getting imported meat or you're getting farm, where they're taking elk, taking deer, raising them on a the farm, killing them running just a livestock model on wild animals and selling it and you're not getting like I didn't know that hunter killed yeah. wild game unless they're importing it. Right. You know? But then even now they used to import a lot of stuff from New Zealand, but even now most that when you when you're getting red deer, which is like most the most common venison sold in restaurants is red deer, often from New Zealand, sometimes from Scotland. Even the stuff from New Zealand now they're just it's just farmed. What, you know, they used a, to sell some wild stuff, but it, the, the but the industry's changed so much. Is there an animal that is still uh, in danger of being extinct in this country? As far as like like grizzlies are not, black no, bears are not. there are many Wolves many are animals that are in danger to becoming extinct, but no, not in the no United game States. animals, so. no game animals. There's like game animals. I mean, most of them are expanding or stable, and the states under mandates. There's, there's a lot of stuff that's like little understood. I mean, there are many like frog species, all kinds of things that are in huge trouble. Mm. Bird species that are in big trouble. But right now with game animals, I take that back. Not in the danger of being extinct, but in danger of being in big trouble. Sage grouse, because of many, many factors, um, sage grouse are, are, are hurting right now. And are, some people are starting to eye it for um, endangered species protection. It could happen. What about eagles? Like, uh, not, I mean, they're not a game animal. Eagles are kicking out. You mean bald eagles? Yeah. <clears throat> they're the new crow, man. Yeah, that's that's a <laughs> huge success story. <laughs> they're the new crow. The new that was crow. something that was really a big deal to see when I was a kid. Bald eagle. Man, we have them coming through the farm all the time. Really? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What Just about, get a DDT, man. All they had to do is get yeah, a DDT. Yeah. Was, what about what? golden eagles? Well, hold on a second. DDT. So what, DDT was killing Made their eggshells too thin. They crushed their own eggs. They crushed their own eggshells. So that was what they were using for pesticides? Just turn that, turn that shit around so fast. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Now, like wood ducks, what they realized the wood ducks, we almost we were going to lose wood ducks. What they realized the wood ducks, old dead trees. Like wood ducks are a cavity nesting duck. Hmm. It's kind of a funny idea, but this wood duck like lands a damn tree, walks into a hole in the tree, and is a cavity nester. Various you know factors at play. We lost a lot of these big old cavity trees. We people brought the wood duck back by just guys who like to hunt ducks going out and building these little things that look like a mailbox on a post. We had a couple of them up. At, well, we weren't by those places, but then even in our forestry program on the farm, we leave wildlife trees. Um, and there's oh yeah, a, you there's mark them. Man. You mark them with a big W. And if the, it's got a hole in it, the, yeah. If it's got yeah. a cavity, one, it's not worth the shit anyways, probably because you're going to cut into it and it's going to be rotten wood. Right. Two is wildlife habitat, but you make these fake ones by putting a mailbox on a pole, take some sheet tin and tack it on there so yeah. raccoons can't climb it. And all of a sudden, like overnight, boom, wood ducks are back. Now, yeah. I know that they have issues <laughs> with like... pesticides, certain pesticides uh, being uh, a problem with bees. Are they doing anything about that? Same with Oh, like did... colony collapse disorder? Yeah, they've got real issues. So, funny you bring that up. Um, one of the things that I'm going to do when I get back to Wisconsin is to, um, there is in the, in the latest farm bill, uh, some funding for encouraging farmers uh, to plant bee-friendly uh, 
forbs in their in their pastures. Um, I and again, right by where Brian and I were hunting out in that open field, there's I, I planted about two thirds of an acre of, of pollinator habitat. Um, what does that mean? Like like even flowers? <clears throat> partic- yeah, partic- you know, so that there's there's flowers at different stages of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much is two thirds of an acre going to do? I don't know, but since I'm putting uh, so much of the farm back into into uh, conservation reserve program, which means we're planting it to grasses and forbs and whatnot. Um, when I get back, I'm really going to look into this, and um, because a lot of the interesting things, a lot of it, uh, like alfalfa and clover, and those are things that deer like too, mm. and turkeys like, and you know other wildlife like, and and then during the flowering time, of course, the, the bees are part of it. But it's kind of cool in this most recent farm bill, in the conservation measures. It's I mean, it's not it was like three million dollars for the entire driftless area, or the Midwest. I'm sorry, not just the driftless area, but um, you know when you start to parse that up into bags of seed that people will go into their, I'll overseed my pasture with it or add that mix in with my CRP and whatnot. Hell, I'll do that without them paying me to do it. Mm. So That's interesting. You know, uh, what I've heard is that there's also some connection to genetically modified crops, that some crops have been genetically modified to uh, make them more resistant to certain bugs and that this is what's fucking up bees. Is, that, well, is there I, truth in that? I, I think there's truth in that. Um, the GMOs certainly could have a, a part of it. It's my, my, we were talking about our daughter, met your daughter before, and my daughter, who's 17, who's taking a biotech class right now, that's one of the things that they've been talking about. And I, my hackles go up when you say GMOs. And interestingly, she kind of talked me down from it because mm-hmm. she's, you know, on both sides of the, of the thing. I, I honestly think that the um, pesticides probably have more to do with it than, than anything. I mean, we're using insecticides on everything, you know, mm-hmm. and the idea that. You know, in our area, you saw it. We're, the, the crops are essentially two things, corn and soybeans. And so you've got these monocultures and, you know, there's, and, and they're all, those are all GMOs. They're all Roundup Ready. That's the big, you know, the big thing. What does that uh, mean, Roundup Ready? Roundup, the herbicide glyphosate, which mm-hmm. is a non-selective herbicide, uh, means it'll kill everything, theoretically. But not the crop. But, but, not it's the crop because- but it was regarded as having the toxicity of coffee. Yeah, it's like if you if you went to drink the stuff, you know. But it, that, I mean, <clears> that, I don't that, know about that's that, man, been what that's been what people were, have said for a long time. Glyphosate or Roundup has always been the friendly herbicide because it doesn't it when it hits it does its job on the plant and it it goes into the plant. Um, the plant dries down and dies. The the um, doesn't it grow itself to death in some way or like expend the, something? It, well, that's right. But the the chemical then um, doesn't translocate in the soil. There's chemicals, you know, herbicides and whatnot. I was spraying one um, a couple of days ago that I'm real careful with it. I'm out in the woods spraying um, uh, basil bark applications to kill undesirable trees. And, you know, you're careful with that stuff. You kill undesirable trees? Yeah. What kind of trees are undesirable? In this case, red maple. Remember the woods where we walked where all it was just the big giant trees? Mm -hmm. Um, Where it opened up and it was... Yeah. I'm trying to regenerate red and white oak in there. Mm -hmm. And they're a... Red and white oak are a sun loving species so they they that sun needs to hit that hit the ground they're real oaks don't grow real fast either and then first their first two or three years they spend all their energy sort of building the root system and then after about their fifth year they'll take off but in between all this stuff is growing over the top of them the um the you know the perennial stuff like burdocks and that kind of stuff don't seem to bother it too much um, because they're gone, you know, quite a bit, but it's the, the shade of the, of the other trees. So it's a fast, the red maple is a faster growing tree. So they'll get up over the top, shade out the oaks. And if you don't control that, 
the, the red maple, not sugar maple, red maple will take over, kill the oaks off, and now you've got red maple. So we're What's trying, wrong with And then the, to get into the deer thing too, though. I mean, the deer effect on red. Well, uh, yeah, and, and the, deer, the, deer's, the deer effect on, um, on red and white oak is they like white oak acorns. In fact, they prefer white oak acorns, as do turkeys, but they like to browse on red oak seedlings. So the oaks just don't stand a chance. Part of the reason why we're trying to kill so many deer. You wanted to know why? Yeah. yeah. Why you love red oaks and don't like the yeah. maples? In the driftless area... <laughs> it's, the, it's the area where as opposed glaciers, to the drifted the glaciers and mining has uh, really flattened the area. Keep going, Doug. The, the uh, in the driftless area, um, it's a pathway for migratory songbirds. First of all, and migratory songbirds come up the Mississippi River, and that's they're traveling long distances. The, the oaks are one of their favored nesting areas, and that sort of thing. So, um, oaks were a big part of our um, forest for for quite a while. Um, because of things like fire and, and that sort of thing, which we don't have anymore. So what's happening is there, the percentage of oak on the landscape is a lot less. So when you have an opportunity, or what we're encouraging landowners through this network of, of forest landowners that I, that I work with, where you have an opportunity to regenerate oak, you have a good spot to do it. Now, not every spot where oak is growing now is necessarily a good spot to regenerate oak. But when you have a good spot to do that, you should because it's disappearing from our landscape and it's affecting... Wildlife, it's affecting all those sort of things, but and also the migratory songbirds. So it's really interesting how it's all kind of together. It's fascinating, the management aspect of that, that people have decided to take a concerted effort to make one plant grow and make another plant die <clears throat> and encourage you know, you to reduce deer population because the deer hammering the seedlings. It's, it's, not- an, it's an advertent effort to correct an inadvertent wrong. I mean, so much of our stuff is like we have. We live in disturbed ecosystems now, and like, and that that disturbance brings about like a radically transformed, you know, biome that we live in. Man. Right? Why do we have so many white-tailed deer? Well, because we have all these. We have everything that they need. They have crops. We have crops. We have cover. We have water. We have all that. You know, you made the comment. Um, I don't know if it was on a podcast or when we were just talking. You said they're like. Deer here are so different than the mule deer. They're like farm animals that you have to shoot. Yeah, that's <laughs> which what is yeah. kind of you know that's kind of right. Yeah, um, yeah. Deer, geese, turkeys, crows. They really they, they, you know because of farming, there they are, and there are so there are so many of them. So it, to my mind, it's sort of a bonus, but at the, you know that we have that. But at the same time, you can't let it run. Can't let any of those species overrun things. So it's a you know it's a balancing act. And so on our four hundred acre farm. Even in, in just a little over 200 acres of woods, I have like 16 different um, uh, areas where we're doing different kinds of management based on what is there um, that 100 years ago you wouldn't have to had to have done. That there we didn't have invasive species, uh, which is one of the huge issues that we have. You know, you get the clothes torn off you by that stuff called multiflora rose. Um, invasive species are a big problem. Um, Encouraging the different kinds of, of of trees, and therefore encouraging different kinds of wildlife. It's all and it's all a part of it. Um, unfortunately, you know, Brian was saying before that he thought that the uh, uh, the government agencies are doing a great job, and you know, I'll, I'd probably get I'll probably get skewered for this, but I, I think that is the case. The Department of Natural Resources in the state of Wisconsin does a heck of a job. They're horrible at public relations, but they're really good. <laughs> they are really good at um, 
counting and understanding numbers and, and you know, what a carrying capacity. And it, it's an inexact science. It's not uh, our friend Pat, uh, Stephen, my friend Pat Durkin writes about this a lot. And one of the things he says, there are hunters out there who think it's like a bathtub. Like you can turn the water on to get more deer and then you shut it off and then you can pull the plug and, and that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear grumbling hunters talk about how the DNR is killing all the deer. Well, I, you know, honestly, I've never seen a what DNR. What is DNR? Department, Department of Natural, Natural Resources. Resources. Yeah, every yeah, every state's got. So you get like uh, Department of Fish and Game, Department yep. of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. The government yeah. agency that's controlling um, hunting in each in could, each place. Could you elaborate though when you were saying this? Because I, I want to know how are they bad at public relations? Um, when CWD start when CWD chronic wasting chronic disease. wasting disease. Um, was discovered in Wisconsin. It's really only been in the last 12 years. It's, yeah, in, in the early 2000s. Um, one of the things that they came out with was, we need to eradicate the disease. In order to do that, we have to kill all the deer in this area. Well, if my farm was in that area, I'm not going to be, I'm going to say, well, I don't know if we need to, I mean, so there's a couple of sick deer. Do we need to kill all the deer? And then they kind of went into this sort of heavy-handed government attitude of here's what we really need to do. Um, whereas... You, you probably realized this that you were here. You weren't. We weren't really following government regulations on our farm. Look at that deer. We were sick deer. That's a deer with CWD. Yep. Oh. Yep. Damn. And that, by the way, by the way, by the way, that Mr. came the way. that came from from farms, correct? Like that came from deer farms. That came from well, it came, it crossed from livestock. It's a live. It's a Eurasian livestock disease. Cross to, um, got into some wild herds, or I'm sorry, got into some domesticated deer herds yeah domesticated deer herds kept kept in captivity yeah on a recent but it was not originally on a commercial facility it wasn't like a guy out there trying to sell faux hunts it was a research facility and there were deer coming up and smelling noses with the deer inside this research facility and that's what they think Correct me if I'm wrong. This is this is everywhere on the web for you guys well, doing I fact was, checking. Well, but hold on a second. That, so the, the, there's a fence between the, the domesticated deer and the wild deer, and they touched each other somehow or another. Yeah, through so the fence. I, I don't. I, I really don't have um, knowledge of that because it's. I, I've I've asked a lot of questions about where. How did this start in Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of you know, people don't seem to have the answer, and and you don't get that answer from the government guys. And then you talk to the private guys. But if you go into southwest Wisconsin, there's an area, um, um, a county there, and, and the town that I'm thinking of is uh, Hollandale. And if you look at a CWD map, you just it just it was just massive. So there was a you know sort of ground zero. Um, and I don't have any. Yeah. And how many states is it in now, though? Well, it's in Thought Illinois they, now too. But well, this, no, and they speculated this came from out many. west. Yeah. Is that I mean the thing? Oh, really? Well, because it had been in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, wow, so look at that, man. Wow, that's crazy. So wow. we're our farm is up where the and that's the just CWD, Wisconsin, Illinois. That's There's right. some other states that have had some CWD. Our farm is where the the top part of the D is on CWD behind the thing in there, right in there. Yeah, so that's where it. Um, so that's six to, in 2005. And if you were to find a a, a more recent map, the DNR has has those out there. Um, it it it's just spreading and it's being spread. And I, this makes sense to me that there are so many deer in some areas that they're, especially young bucks, are getting pushed out because, you know, Big Daddy doesn't want them around. And so they get pushed out, and they're the ones who are, um, there you go. It's a scary disease, man. Um, but it's, we don't know, but that's the thing is, like, we don't know if it is or not because there are all manner of wildlife diseases. Yeah. Some imported, some, some yep. that have always been here that periodically come through and... 
wipe out, you know, 70, 80, 90%. You get blue tongue, tularemian rabbits, yep. all kinds of things. Like now and then, you get a bunch of animals. The animals get sick. A ton of them die. You have some disease-tolerant disease individuals. Yep. And it comes back. One thing we try to do, when I say we, like I work for the government. <laughs> One thing that, that our wildlife model generally tries to do is take out some of the peaks and valleys, you know. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm impatient with people who get too easily overly critical with state fish and game agencies, which I think in the United States of America do a pretty phenomenal job mm. considering. And when Doug talked about like bad public relations is you make some management decisions and the way guys find out about the management decisions, they open up the rule books. There's no explanation of why. It's yeah. just like, it might be that, you know what, dude, you can't kill, you know, you used to be able to kill a doe. Now you can't kill a doe in this County. Everybody gets really mad and they could go down and be like, why is that? And there'd be some really well thought, scientifically based decision about why it was a bad idea right. for this year to do it. But people just see it and they go like, oh, it's the it's the right wing, it's the left wing, it's the cuckoos, you know. Yeah, it's right. the insurance. So they don't, a lot of times they don't really even bother to really put forth like why we're making these decisions we're making. Uh-huh. And insurance companies, like I said, insurance, AAA, I shouldn't point out one individual, like, in, in, insurers are generally a force for wanting less deer. Agricultural interests, I'm generalizing, agricultural interests are generally a force for wanting less deer. Right. Guys that want to go out and hunt are generally forced want more deer. But I heard that the that that the biggest pollution source of pollution I may be wrong is not even cars or anything. It's agricultural runoff. Like that's that's the big threat. Hog farms are yeah. bad. And, yeah, uh, right. Am I Phosph- right about that? The fertilizer, <laughs> phosphorus in the fertilizer going into the water source. Yeah. You know those sort of things. That's yeah, a huge nitrates issue in the in the years. in the water. Yeah, and and, yeah. and that really it, it, that's a huge concern. I mean, it, hey, tell that story about that trout stream and that guy that had all that frozen nerve laying out. Can you tell that story? Well, so uh, south of us, there's a, a class one trout stream, and uh, guy Which means down like there, titties trout fishing. Yeah, well, for southwest Wisconsin titties? anyway. What does that mean? Good, good oh. trout fish. Titties, titties. It's a Michigani, Michigani for titties. That's an expression. That's hilarious. Titties, like titties trout fishing. Like that car, like that car is cherry. Okay, that that stream is. Titties. Well, I've yes. heard that. I've heard cherry. Yeah, but if it's chuck full of fish, but, if, you're, yeah, if your car was chuck full of tits, fish, you'd be like, that's, yeah. that, that car titties, is titties. They, they say titties in Michigan, apparently, in Wisconsin. It's That's just nobody tits. says Nobody tits says titties. Fishing. Steve Rinaldi says titties. He's like, <laughs> that's my <laughs> wife's nickname, man. I'll pull it. <laughs> I, got her, I got her saved like that on my phone. Oh, man. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nope. So, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, <laughs> tell them the story about Trout. the about like a, just a, like a, like a occurrence, you know? Okay, so what happened was... Uh, there, there are uh, storage, manure storage uh, regulations and whatnot, and, and times when you're supposed to spread manure and times when you're not. And then these, we've got these huge mega farms. Like, you know, again, when I was a kid, I mean, you saw that barn and that milk house. We milked 40 cows in there. Well, 40 cows in a barn during the wintertime, you know, once a day you'd go out with a load of manure and spread it on the fields, and it, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Now you're talking about thousands of, of cows in a barn, liquid manure going to these huge storage facilities and there's semis ter- you know driving this stuff around well in this instance this wasn't this was a like sort of a medium-sized farm about um, 500 uh, milk cows so the guy was doing things pretty much right spread manure um, but he spread it on on frozen uh, snow and ice and whatnot with a buffer strip back from the trout stream but it rained and melted and into the trout stream it went and Wiped them out. All those fish went tits up. 
that, Such as it is. So it was still tits. It was still titties. So just tits up. So tits up is a lot different than tits. Tits up just tits. I'm learning so much. Yeah, write that down. So. You know, in, one would argue, well, let's we should be regulating that. Well, right, but then there's the concern that, well, we're regulating things to death. And this sort of goes back to the deer hunting thing. Um, you know, in the 80s and 90s, the deer population went just peaked in Wisconsin. It was just huge. I mean, you, you, saw, you, saw, you thought you saw a lot of um, the deer opening day, and by the way, you didn't. By the way, by the way, so the nineties, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there were days when I would see 75 deer opening day. Whoa. They would come running through, a group would come running through. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not good though, right? No, it's not good. That's the point. Somewhere in between is, is there's a balance. But guys get pretty used to that. Guys get used to it. That's exactly right. I go out and sit and, well, I want to see deer when I go out. I might want to shoot one every time. Well, you know, then they call it shooting and killing, not hunting you know you know what's interesting during this podcast i put up a picture on instagram of that pig that i shot and i have had a fucking tidal wave of people mad at me is that right while shooting that pig on. not cool man Why, they, not they cool what? dude i mean i don't know how many of them so are, it up are again. Actually, oh, because because you <laughs> shot up all day because you shot a non-native animal that these guys have been eating their entire freaking life in bacon form Mm-hmm. And yeah. had the audacity to like actually come face to face with the animal. Yeah, I mean the the this the fucking comments on on Instagram. It's really? quite hilarious. Just so I see many you tapping away over there. Self righteous shitheads. Oh come on! I mean, it's, For, it's you, really you, amazing. I, you, you need a filter thing like where you can filter out everyone who's not vegan, <laughs> and then like at least go like okay, the vegans you know they have some moral right, right some Object. consistency. Yeah. You know? I don't even think it's that. I mean, it's just like people just don't want to see a dead animal. They yeah, don't want to true. see it. It's true. I mean, it's yeah. this weird disconnect that we have that we talked about on your show. We this weird disconnect that people have about their food, and they feel even if they're they're meat eaters and even if they're wearing leather shoes, they feel like they can take the moral high ground and say there's something wrong with you posing. Especially because apparently people don't like the fact that I'm smiling. Yeah, I was gonna say you got a huge yeah, but you're glad, you got a huge but aren't you glad because you just Cheshire got all cat. kinds of pork? Yeah, yeah I'm happy. Cheshire I, I'm happy. Cat grin. I got 200 pounds of pork and uh, <laughs> I shot it at 5.15. We had 15 minutes left in the day. It was the last chance at romance. Yeah, yeah no, you should you should apologize for being happy about having a windfall of meat. It looks yeah. like a good shot, too. Uh, it was a great shot. I'm sorry. That pig never knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I shot a, a pig perfectly on 160 yards. And I'm didn't cry. And didn't I'm cry sorry I'm after. coming over to eat some of that pig. Come on. I bought a smoker, man. I, I bought a beautiful Weston smoker. Over. I'm brining the pig as we as we speak. I'm brining a ham. Nice. It, why, don't we, why don't we farm venison the way we farm cows? Well, they, have you been Zealand? paying attention no, no, to the I conversation? Know, I know we do. <laughs> I know it has to do with him. Come on, no, Callan. No, no. I know we do, but I but we don't do it a lot. Is what I'm saying. Like, well, I'm surprised that we don't. It's such good meat. Why don't we do it as much as we do with cows? Is it because, because there's because a certain problem with um, one thing is a problem of disease transmission. We've been talking about. Yep. And there's yeah. a there's a thing where there's an there's an aesthetic issue, and, and there is. There's, there, I mean, there's there's a demand for it. The demands met. There's arguments to be made before. One of the arguments against it is we have like an obligation to protect native wildlife. Right. All right. So and keep it native. And there's yeah. and there's a heritage of having these animals as wild animals. And some people feel, myself included, is some people feel it's that there's a that these there's a sacredness to these animals as wild creatures. You know, mm-hmm. and we try to like foster their well being. And from a practical standpoint, um, 
you know, I, I don't know how much you guys noticed, but there's some fences around the, the barnyard and whatnot at our place. They're four-strand barbed wire fences, and they're kind of uh, they're mediocre fences is what I would put them. The cattle won't bother them. They just walk over to them. As long as the cattle got hay in the in the bin and whatnot, they just kind of walk over. You might get the occasional one who's like, ah, I think I want to get out today. Yeah, like the one that destroyed, almost ended your marriage because they ate your wife's garden. Yeah, well, I left the gate open. So it wasn't really that. that. Well, if that almost ended your marriage, how <laughs> fucking shaky is that ground you're standing on? <laughs> I, was, I, was being a oh, bit, I was being a little melodramatic. It was, uh, yeah, well. It was a beautiful garden. Uh, it was a hanging garden. It was a hanging garden. <laughs> I should say something about my wonderful wife. If um, most people, she was actually your wife really is very un- cool. Yeah, very she was cool. very understanding of the whole thing. After her, now you have to understand that she put so much time and energy and love into that garden. You've, you want to see my wife smile? Call her name when she's in her garden, and her head will come up and she'll smile. Gardening is just, fucking fun, man. It's good for you, man. Well, it's much like hunting in a way. There's a primal sort of a connection that we have to gardening. Well, we we grow our own food at my house. We grow uh, tomatoes. We have cucumbers, broccoli, broccoli, and it's delicious. It's so we, good. We cook it and eat it, and it's it's just something really satisfying about growing something and, and putting your hands in the dirt. And it's equally satisfying hunting your own food. And yeah. You know, I know a lot of people don't like that because the hunting part, because they connect it to cruelty, but uh, it's it's a primal thing. It's a primal thing. Oh, I should point out that even though a lot of people have uh, been angry at me, way more people are supporting me. I should say that a lot of people like to focus on the the negative. Way more positive comments. I've that picture went up ten minutes ago. It was three thousand nine hundred and fifty likes already. God, oh, that's good. Yeah, so it's more positive than negative. That's but there's lot. just a lot of hypocritical bullshit out there. And you got to take the hit in order to sort of get that subject out there. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things about it that I, I, I find, uh, now it's up to 4,000 as we speak. I, one of the things that I, I think is important is to take that hit, is to get that conversation going. And I think a lot of people that said the negative things, then they, it's a knee-jerk thing. It's because we've been shielded from where food comes from. We've been shielded from how do you get meat? Well, you don't get meat from a seed, okay? You get meat from an animal, and, and it and, has to die in order for seat, you to eat it. And the seat you're sitting in, and, mm-hmm. you know, and your shoes you're wearing. No shit, right? I got these motherfuckers at Office Depot. How many cows had to die for this? Nobody has a problem with me wearing a murdered animal skin <laughs> And if you had a, if you had a photo of you day. smiling with your new leather couch, <laughs> no one would give a shit, man. Right. That's so true, right? Yeah, no you're one You're smiling cares. from your couch. You're like, you're on cow skin. Not or even cool. if you have a steak from the supermarket and you're smiling, I'm cooking. Yep. I've put up a hundred pictures of me cooking on the grill yep. with a big smile on my face. No one cares. Yep. You have one picture of the actual intact animal. When you can see yep. its face. And it's like I have this joke about how you, you can kill an animal, but you can't fuck it. But what you can do is kill it and cut it into a bite-sized portion, a meal-sized portion, and, and jerk it. off with it. You can use that <laughs> and wrap it around your dick and jerk off, and no one can really say anything because we have this weird, we have weird disconnect. Yeah, you would not go to jail for that. You right? can't go to jail for jerking off with a chicken cutlet. But if they call you, caught you in the middle of fucking a chicken, most likely a cop's gonna fucking take you. They're downtown. gonna have a talk at least with. At me. the very least, they're gonna go. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah, I'm tired of my hands. Yeah. I want to call my friend right now who's a cop in San Francisco who caught yeah, a look, dude fucking a look chicken. Look at this picture. Here's another thing that Steve Vernell and I had a conversation about the other day about, about su- people who complain about hunting. But every fucking restaurant, except for a, a, a tiny percentage, serves meat. Yeah. Like you're, you're dealing with murder houses all over the country. I mean, essentially animal murder houses. 
every fucking Burger King, every McDonald's, every other, almost every regular restaurant, Coco's, yeah. fucking Red Barn, whatever it is that you're serving food at, those are murdered animals. But we have this weird disconnect. This is a picture of me with duck in the window. No one complained. No one complained. Why? <laughs> because I didn't kill those ducks. That was you and I when we were in Toronto. Yep. Ooh, yummy. We're going to eat it's a delicious. Chinese food. No one gives a shit. Oh, that's great. I love the Anthony Bourdain show. He goes and eats at a bunch of places. He eats murder. Yep. That's what he's eating. He's eating murder everywhere. But we are shielded because we're a bunch of fucking babies. We're shielded from that. Well, there's certainly a hypocrisy to it. Um, one of my, uh, an old friend of mine, uh, was eating veal one or ordered veal one night, and and uh, I'm not a big fan of veal, and because I've been a part of raising them, I, we had a neighbor who used to raise raise veal, and honestly, it was to me it was inhumane. And uh, anyway, uh, I said to this friend of mine, "Geez, you know, you know about how veal is raised and how it's handled and everything." And he took a cut out of it, put it in his mouth, said, "This one's already dead." <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, tell these guys about that. Tell these guys about that. That time you uh did that custom slaughter for that person gave a picture of the thing oh so um uh some some years ago uh we uh i i, I gave some relatives uh half of a beef for a, a present and uh so i delivered some of the meat already and and we were bringing the rest of it and they were gonna have this big meal well they had a just we had beautiful steaks and roast. I mean, they made several things, wonderful cooks. And they invited the neighbors over. And here's, they bring their couple of daughters along. And in <clears throat> on the farm, we had a pen that we always raised. This is when we had a lot of cattle around. We always, where we always raised um, the one that was going to be slaughtered. Because you, in those days, we weren't doing the grass-fed thing. We were giving them corn and whatnot. And they, the cattle all had the same name. It was dinner. And so I had taken a polaroid picture of this steer before i had it butchered and wrote on the bottom of it dinner and so in presenting the meat at that dinner that night and these neighbors were there with a couple of young girls the girl one was maybe 10 and the other one 12 um you know we're about to begin eating and i make the presentation and i hand them a picture of oh. dinner and so the girl and so they passed you know they didn't think anything about it just passed it around the table and one girl would need it, and last I heard, she was still a vegetarian. She just couldn't do that um, connection, or uh, you know, didn't couldn't believe that that's what you're doing. On the other hand, my I wanted to say something about this whole thing with um, people eating meat and and not you know being a part of it and whatnot. So I live in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a you know very liberal town, and uh, the east side of Madison is particularly. But there's a, a food co-op over there that our friend Carl, our friend Carl Malcolm. Uh, did a learn to hunt program through, yeah. and it was wildly successful. Um, and so, in in Madison, where uh, I know an awful lot of people, and I'll, most of them eat meat, very few of them hunt. But none of I can't think of anyone who has a problem with me doing it. In fact, they'll ask about it and whatnot. So, even the vegetarians and vegans that I know are pretty. You know they're pretty okay with it. My my comment is always I don't have any objection to what you're doing. And I read read Pollen's uh, article from the New Yorker that yeah. he posted the other day, and it was it was just a wonderful. It was a long read, but um, 
About the intelligence I, of plants. The intelligence of plants and how they adapt. Mm-hmm. And so, wait a minute, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's going to be some, it's star, just a different some starving kind, vegans, man. Just because they don't have a brain doesn't mean they don't have a certain kind of intelligence. Not only that, it's been proven that plants actually can make calculations. Mm-hmm. Plants are not as simple as a rock. You know, we like to think that in eating a plant, you're not eating anything that's alive. But you are. You have to eat life. Life consumes life. Mm-hmm. We just have this ability to differentiate between life of an animal that we believe has emotions or we think has feelings and plants. They can get roots to grow toward the sound, the sound of running water. Yeah. Wow. They'll steer in that there's, direction. There's a type of intelligence in plants that we don't understand. Yeah. And that's also I what... feel bad for those sons of bitches. A friend of mine read that article and he goes, man, I just never thought of how stressful it must be when I fire up my lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> All those little blades of grass are just freaking out. Well, when you take mushrooms, it's one of the things you experience is this weird connection with that fungus. You know, obviously a fungus is not quite the same as a plant. In fact, funguses are actually more closely related to animals than they are to plants. But there's some weird thing that's going on while you're eating a mushroom. And part of... You know, the, the psychedelic lore, what people believe is that you're communicating with this, this plant by eating it. They also believe that about ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, the combinatory plant beverage that everybody goes down to Peru and Brazil to mm-hmm. take and have mm-hmm. these visionary experiences. They believe that you're experiencing some sort of intelligent connection to the spirit world through this vehicle, this plant vehicle. Plants aren't as simple as, you know, everybody likes to think that, oh, you eat broccoli. It's so karma-free. You know, that might be the only way to eat karma-free is to eat shit. All right? If you want to go around eating shit, that might be karma-free. Yeah, but that's full well, of, organi- would, that's full you of would, organisms. You would switch to right? eating. What I, the next step is you would switch to eating like non-terminal productions from plants, I mean, yeah. like you'd eat apples, right? But, that, but the Jains, but you wouldn't eat you wouldn't eat root vegetables. No, but the Jains, yeah. the Jains, like those fierce yogas, like those those sects, well, they'll eat. They will never eat onions or potatoes and things because that's the root, the life source. That's the life source. Yeah. So what they do is they eat everything that grows above the ground. So you are allowed to eat anything that will regenerate. So you can eat yep. leaf, leafy that's vegetables. A good idea. I had an aunt like who was fucking crazy. She's fu- well, she's not my aunt anymore. They got divorced. She's fucking crazy, and she's a fruitarian. Oh, nice. Yeah. She probably has no blood in I was her body. Say, she's how ready she to look? die. <laughs> how she, is she on she's, an IV? She was so, but she was one of those really fucking annoying people that, like, you couldn't have a ham sandwich around her. She would yeah. just start talking shit yeah. about, do you know how they treat those animals? Do you know what? You have to murder and oh fucking Christ! Yeah. It was just this craziness. But the bottom line is, the, 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 what people don't want to take into account. What they want to say is, hey, you shouldn't kill an animal and eat it. Okay, should we ever kill animals? No. Okay, you should never kill animals. What are we going to do with all these animals? What about the animals that kill animals? Fucking? It's yeah, not, yeah. It's are we going to stop that. them from fucking? Are we going to control the population? What are we going to do about <laughs> predators? Well, well, you know, let nature control them. Do you know how nature controls populations? They fucking eat them while they're alive. All right, coyotes, there's a, there's a video that I found online. It's a crazy video. Maybe you could find it. But these two deer get locked up. They were battling, and they were gnashing horns together, and they got mm. locked up. And while they're locked up, a lot of times they can't get unlocked because the yeah. horns are organic. They flex. The antlers are organic. They flex and move. And if you hit it the right way, they can get connected to the point where it's really difficult to get untangled. Mm. So while these two deer were going at it and they got locked up, coyotes ate one of them alive. Wow. Yeah. So one deer is, like, gutted, and it's legs are half missing and the other deer is like connected to him fucking freaked Whoa. out and these hunters came along and disconnected these two 
That's what you're going to get if you don't get it's hunters. It's not just that. That's, yeah, well, that's not be. bad, though. Well, it's no. not bad to people because people aren't involved in that. But yeah, I'm but, saying but, I'm not like, I don't go like, oh, we need to get rid of predators because they're so mean to animals. Right. But, I feel like it's a treat to watch it. When I watch there's a predator, the two deer. Something, there's I'm the two deer. I don't know if that's the very specific but, video. But, but, but there are situations also like in certain indigenous cultures where you can't grow anything. Tell Eskimos that's, to be vegetarians. You, you're basically, you have to eat the animals. Yeah. In, 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 in parts of the Middle East where you're not growing anything in on the topography of the land, you have to live off animals. You have to live the, off the milk of your camel. In, in the Bantu Belt in Africa, you have to basically live off, it's very hard to grow stuff there. You basically have to live off off of you know game meat you, you know try living off of try growing something in the Congo. there it is try that's the video the this poor deer oh, is connected to this other deer that's oh, been just God. eaten alive and the hunters Dude, found the coyote eating it the hunters found the coyote eating the one deer and this deer's so like motherfucker weird. let me go and he can't get go oh, he wow. can't let go and the the other deer is just like half of his body is missing, so they had to hold on to him. And look where they are: farm country, yeah. it's Doug's yeah. place. Yeah, it's Doug's house. <laughs> coyotes, <laughs> guy with his hands in his pockets, going, "Hey, what's going on, dude?" If I lived in your house, man, that that whole area, you know, we've talked about uh, me buying land in your area, and I'm I'm still really interested in that because there's something so fucking cool about that area, the driftless area, and there's something so fucking cool about just your house. We go go out of your house in the morning, go for a walk. Pitch, pitch up a tent and fucking hang out, wait for someone to come by. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's really an amazing spot. Well, thanks. I, I, you know, I, I feel really lucky to be the one who gets to take care Look of it. Look at that. There's um, a driftless area. For this generation. Look how beautiful yeah. that place is. Yeah. That's like New That's Zealand. what it looks like in the summer, son. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. We, we, keep saying, we, keep saying, uh, we keep saying Doug's place, but Doug's. Oh, thank you, Steve. Doug's, yeah. I want to point <laughs> out, it's definitely Doug's family's place. And Doug's, uh, how long? Yeah. It's been in my family 112 years. Now. Wow. That, that, yeah. 112 years. He had, he had a relative lose a son bitch, so the next generation went back hey, and man, got I, you know, I told you that in confidence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what happened was uh, during the uh, Depression, my, my great-grandfather, um, so when I say it's been in my family 112 years, there was a little, there was a couple of months there. There's where a blip, was a, was a little some, hiccup. So we don't qualify to be a century farm or something, mm-hmm. but... Uh, uh, my great grandfather had a railroad that went from Casanova to uh, Laval, which is seven miles away. And the depression came, and then there was a flood and wiped out all the bridges. And uh, then he had this one. I can tell my dad would would uh, be okay with this. So one of his uh, uncles, I guess, always had these harebrained ideas that he could talk his father into financing him on. So um, he mortgaged. Our farm, so our farm is not, it's been in the family that long, but it's not the original family farm. Over where, by where we were duck hunting, I pointed that out. Um, that's where the um, the homestead was. Anyway. And every guy in his area is Doug's. Doug's got cousins he never even met. They're like down the road. Yeah. They probably pop out of the woodwork when November rolls around. <laughs> How you doing, cousin? Hey, hey. Yeah. little hunt. Yeah, we're family. Let's go I, you know, I, I, I think folks around Kaznovia would say, uh, well, some people would say that, you know, I wouldn't that fucking drone won't let anybody. There's a dude that there's a dude that ran that hunter. There's a dude yeah, kneeling right next, next to me. Yeah, that oh. ran that uh, that that hunter recruitment program out of that Whole Foods place. And or something the, it, like it that. was a, it was a co-op. Yeah, and, uh, it, and Carl's just one of those guys. You you know he's just wonderful uh, advocate for the outdoors. And and uh, yeah, that was the that was our first time. I guess the first hunt that we did together because Durkin was there. So there was no. That was the second time he hunted on my farm. Yeah, been this is the fourth time. Anyway, 
<sighs> what was I talking about? Hunting. No, your Hunting. old man, awesome your old, your oh, great grandma. Oh, oh, oh. So yeah, running railroads. And so anyway, uh, it came to a point where well, you know, we've got to have you know, some something's got to give. So he gave the farm, let, let the farm go back to Northwestern Mutual Life, is what my dad said, and uh, and my grandfather had. Interestingly, it didn't make sense for him to buy it from his father. He bought it from the insurance company who had the paper on it. So there was like a few-month period of time where it was in no man's land, but no one else has owned the place for 112 years. That's the, the, the long It's long an amazing farm, man. It's an amazing spot. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. Well, there have been people taking care of it for a long time. I give my father an awful lot of credit for you know his um, vision on the whole thing. And my, my grandfather was a really interesting guy, too, and... Um, you know, they, I didn't know my great grandfather, obviously, but, or, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just my turn right now. And I happen to have four brothers and sisters who are very, uh, uh, willing to, uh, sort of let me be in charge and, and, uh, we're all partners in the thing. Um, and my folks are, you know, still heavily involved, but, or as they always say, we control the purse strings like they're, <laughs> like they're the house of representatives or something. That's I wish you had, I wish you had a picture of the standard. That we could put up on the thing there, man. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know where you find one of those. The standard. Doug killed it. Yeah, Doug. Oh, the standard. Doug. Yeah, Doug, Doug killed it one time. Killed a giant. Well, you have pictures of that on your your stuff. I have here. I don't yeah. know where they're. Doug, Doug killed a giant buck. Became known as the standard. As I, the standard on that property. It's a really funny story. I feel like I'm. I feel like this is like marionette. He's going. Tell him, Doug. Tell him about this, Doug. Tell him about that, Doug. <laughs> Why don't you but, tell him, Steve? You too. too. The standard's a funny story. But without a picture, but I, a lot of people aren't even watching. Anyways, they're listening. Yeah. Tell the story. Well, about fair, the, enough, fair enough. Well, tell that story about the standard. What's do you so want, funny about Joe? It? Are you curious about hearing the story? Yeah, absolutely. What I like about the standard story is um, how I went up there with the tractor and set the whole thing up. No, 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 no. The part I like. This is never going to work because we're. T- the part I like is when you t- when you took it down to the. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I took it down to the so guy. I, so, so, so here's what happened. Like two weeks before uh, this early, it was an early gun season. It was actually during bow season at that time. It was very controversial, but you could. It was Ernebuck, so this is like the end of October. So the, the rut is just um, kicking off. And my nephew uh, shot a doe the night before and had never gutted a deer. And and uh, in fact, he shot one earlier that day. And and uh, I said, "Well, go ahead, Sam. You know, gut it out." He said, "Well, I didn't gut my. I don't know how to do it." And I said, well, if I got that deer, I'm going to tag it so that I could have the buck tag. Two weeks before this day, my wife and I were driving down through the farm uh, on that road that comes down through there. And this just enormous buck gets up out of this brush and goes just lumbering into the woods. And my wife, who doesn't get excited about deer, is like, oh, my God, look at the size. I mean, she got excited. So later that day, I went up with the tractor and a brush hog. You know, nothing going on here. I'm just driving through, cutting the trails on the farm. And left the tractor idling, jumped down off of the tractor, grabbed a, I had a, a tree stand along, strapped it to a tree, um, got back in the tractor while it was, you know, just, as I said, let it run the whole time and then drove out of there. Two weeks later, I um, had this buck tag and shoot the deer. 10 minutes, it's, it's one of, it's, unfortunately, it's not one where I can tell a long story about, well, I can make any story long apparently, but um, a long story about hunting this deer and all that. It showed up 10 minutes after I got in the stand. Boom, shot it, dead. And that's the standard. So, and this thing is just enormous. I mean, it's that's just the one on your wall. Yeah, that that real, and it was just a huge deer. Besides, how much did it weigh? Do you think? Uh, if you had, to I guess. don't know. I go 
265 or or something like that, maybe 270. And I'm standing. Well, the thing is, like, it's like a, it, you know, it had to be. You, as when big you get as into me. deer, you get into like how many inches of antler. Right. Yeah, so it was a hundred. It was almost a 200 inch deer uh, in the antler, but it was an enormous bodied deer. Besides, so. <clears throat> Um, never shot anything like that before. So I called this taxidermist and said, so uh, I, I want to bring this deer in. And he, and he said, well, how big is it? And I said, well, I have size 13 shoes, and I can put both my shoes between the antlers. Oh, well, you're going to want to get that in here real soon, and you know, so the skin doesn't, the hide doesn't slip and all this stuff. So um, my dad's got this little Chevy F10 pickup. We drop the thing in the back so it looks like an elk in the back of this little tiny pickup, and we drive it to the taxidermist. And by the time we get to the taxidermist stuff, there are two or three vehicles behind us because they want to see where it's going. We pull into the place, and I walk up, and there's this this taxidermist shop where they also register deer. You guys have the experience of places where they register deer. It's a madhouse. <laughs> and uh, so we pull in there, and I walk up to the guy and said, oh, by the way, I'm the guy who, who called and you know, got the buck with it. He said, well, can I see it? And they've got trucks are backed in there and they're unloading deer and skinning them out and doing all this stuff. And my little dad's little S10 is sitting down at the bottom of the hill and, and he walks down there and he goes, all right, everybody, get all these vehicles out of the way. We're backing this one up in here right now. So we back it up there and they get it out of the thing and um, out of the back and they, they do a quick skin of it till they get it to the, to the head. And so I, and He's got a guy who all he does is surgically remove, you know, do the, the cape and, and whatnot. We go in there and guys start chucking $5 bills into a, or $10 bills into a, a hat and start writing numbers down. So they're guessing as to how many inches of horn there is. Huh. So every big deer that comes in, that's what they were doing. But it was just a, the whole scene was. How many inches was it? It was 192. Wow. That's a big. The one that you animal. got was like. 12. <laughs> no, more than eighteen, twenty-four. Something what, is, like that. what is that right there? That mule deer? How big is that? Oh shit! One hundred and ten. That's a big fucking animal you had then. Yeah. But it, it is. A, yeah, it's just like something happens, kind of magically when they get up into that. Yeah, I mean, they just start. I mean, genetics, genetics, food. There's age. a big one right there. That's a mule deer, though. But that's isn't a mule deer too. That's yeah. not even. That's a big mule no. deer. That's type, not big. Type in two hundred inch whitetail. Well, I've seen some of them that have that looks like they have trees growing out of their heads. Yeah, type yeah. in two hundred inch whites, and you'll probably hit like two hundred inch whites. Now, Alberta is the place where I came here and has the big ones. They got big body deer, and for a long time, they were the reigning. There was like there was a place to go if you wanted to shoot a huge racked. I mean, just besides body, you get the body thing. We talked about that Bergman's principle Whoa. about why animals in the north are big. Look what the fuck? That's crazy. That's that doesn't insane. even look weird. That that's, like that's big. Fake. That's big. That's insane. Yeah. It's like a tree. So it's very elk like. Yeah. Uh, for a while, Alberta was a place to go if you wanted to kill it. And it, they still got plenty of huge deer. But then all this stuff started happening in Illinois, Ohio, Wisconsin, Iowa, and they're just killing freaking tankers now. Food plots. For a while, like tech, like for a while, like Texas was the man. Look at that deer. There you go. That's ridiculous. Food plots, right? Soybeans. Making yeah, so for a while, like, Alberta was the man and Texas was the man. Right now, the Midwest is just cranking huge. If you, if, if big, huge, antlered whitetails are your thing and you want to shoot one. <laughs> Let in, me ask you this. You want to shoot one in the wild and not, Guys. like, shooting one that some guy raised you know, on a reared off his, reared off his freaking stud shit. animal. Well, I, well, so I watched funny. this one um, show where it was about uh, a deer farm, and they were showing all these deer that they had genetically raised yep. in these deer farms, and it's ridiculous. I mean, they, ha they, they have trees growing out of their head, and they're only two years old. Yeah. They're two-year-old deer, and they've got fucking these weird, crazy antlers. Like, and it's a, you can't trust you face. can't trust whitetails. If I walk into a dude's house and I walk into a guy's house, he's like, check out that freaking whitetail. 
I, I'm like, you know, I, I can't even start even kind of pretending to be impressed until I knew the backstory. Like, as far as I know, you shot it behind a fence. You walk into a guy's place, he's got a big tanker, like Bighorn, he's probably got something. If he's got a big tanker, mule deer, there's a gr- very good chance he's really got something. A big tanker, elk, I'm like, I don't know, I'd have to know what was going on. So elk, you were saying this before the podcast, there are elk that are behind fences. Oh, shit, there, yeah, tons of them, man. Where? Tons of them. Lots of, I mean, you could probably, there's probably, there's more states that do it. Than, no, I shouldn't say there's more that do it than don't, but I, I'll rattle off a bunch to do. Texas, I know Pennsylvania's got a bunch of high fence places. Missouri's got high fence places. Idaho has high fence places for elk. There's something about an elk in a high fence that kind of offends me. Yeah, you give the dude three, four thousand bucks. I mean, they'll drive you out and you pick the one you want out. I've seen ads where they say, like, it'd be like, um, someone needs to hunt this elk now. Three thousand dollars. Isn't that? <laughs> It'll be a picture so of the elk There's something there. about an elk that's a mystical, sort of a mystical, majestic creature. I when hate. To, I hate to see him. I hate to see him. I'd argue the same thing about a, a, a white-tailed deer. I, I just can't imagine going behind a, you know, going into a fence and like one of those places like in Texas. Well, I mean, they have them in Wisconsin too. There's mm-hmm. a place called. Well, I don't want to start. Well, naming I have places, a buddy but... who went to a place in Texas. It's ten thousand acres. Is that okay? I mean, at what point? Yeah, I know you get okay? into a weird. You yeah. get into the. You get into a thing where it's become. I mean, there's a big thing. You, you see hunts advertised on on a 300 acre chunk of ground that has no fence on it, right? Or I'm sorry, no tree on it, right? And you get into these things where someone might be doing this amazing wildlife management, you know, and doing a really good management job, and for whatever reason, like could be any number of issues, they, for their own management purposes, fence a gigantic track landing, and you get into. So is that legit or not? And it's kind of like, who's that guy that said, I only know, I know porn when I see it. I know, you know? But, there, but, but there's something about <laughs> it. Like, I can't define porn, but show me a picture, I'll tell you if it's porn yeah, or not. That was, that was yeah. the Supreme Court justice who said, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. So it, 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 it's obscenity rules. But, but what I'm saying is that what if you're, there's something about being out in the middle of nowhere, like the Missouri breaks, that is that feels more challenging in a way. Like yeah, it's, it's just, a luxury though too, because a lot of people don't have, yeah. you know, people, like when I was growing up, man, it was being... We hunted the farthest. We'd hunt from our house. We typically hunted between two and eight miles from our house. We were going on a big-ass trip, a mm. big-ass trip to drive 40 miles up and hunt this place called Peacock in, uh, in, in Lake County. It, I didn't grow up thinking. I mean, we grew up hunting what we had around us, man. I, right. You know, now I, I lose yeah. sight of it now because I have, you know, I have such a, like a, I kind of fell into such a fantastic occupation. Where now I'm like, oh yeah, you know, go here and go there for all these wild hunts, and like, you know, the real way to hunt is this and that, and Alaska and mountains. You're talking about alpine hunting, like when you're up. That's in the what mountains, I like. Yeah, when you're up in the mountains and, and you're you're having to really literally bring everything with you, uh, going up and down a mountain. That's a, that that feels a lot more challenging. Yeah, you and get into you, a ton of physical challenges and yeah. all, but it is a luxury, and most people, I mean, more hours are logged deer hunting than you're kind of logged hunting white-tailed deer than. And your kind of thing. The number one killed thing is what doves or co- doves, I think. Number yeah, one killed. So thing. That's a real issue with people, man. The doves, they go yeah. crazy. It's the symbol of peace. <laughs> in Michigan, you it's, cannot hunt doves. It's a peaceful you bird. You cannot hunt doves what? in Michigan. We used to, we used to, we used to. When we were kids, wow. we hunted them on the sly. You, you I, shouldn't cut olive branches either, because them and <laughs> doves together <laughs> equal peace. Is it good eating or doves uh, taste? Mm. Very good, dark yeah. flesh, dark flesh, I think good, pheasant, very pheasant's flavorful. The best, pheasant's the best. Uh, don't even uh, say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Don't say it. You don't You're like talking pheasant? about no, dubs. No, I don't like pheasant, but I mean, 
Look at those cheers. Why doves? But pigeons are okay. <laughs> not doves, apparently. Chickens. Chickens. No, are fine. pigeons and doves have a lot in common, but a dove is better. A morning dove is better. Is, is it? What's it? Uh, yeah. All right. This dark liver colored. Yeah. So hmm. I'm ex- the exact opposite of Steve, though. I mean, I've I've hunted two other places than our area in my entire life. I'm 55 years old. I hunted in the Boundary Waters. Uh, deer hunted up there four or five years ago, and last uh, spring I went down and hunted. Uh, What's, and, what's the boundary waters? Boundary waters, northern Minnesota. It's the boundary between Wisconsin and Minnesota. It's very uh, wild. No, isn't I mean, it? Can, I thought isn't the boundary waters like it's Canada, and Minnesota. I'm sorry, Canada, yeah. And Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. I don't even need to look that up on the internet. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but so most of my hunting, you know, and I've been doing it since I was 12, so it's, it's a lot of years, mm-hmm. um, has been done on that farm or in that area, and and really not. You know, elsewhere, I guess I hunted a little bit when I was in when I lived in New Hampshire for a few years too. But um, you know, so sort of the the, um, the opposite opposite experience of of Steve. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, challenging. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Whitetail deer hunting is really accessible. It's becoming because of guys like me, I suppose, um, a little less accessible because I, I don't necessarily just, when I was a kid, you could pretty much go hunting anywhere. I mean, we'd just get in the car on a Saturday morning and just go and go into that woods mm-hmm. and, you know, not deer hunting. Something. But when I was a kid deer hunting, you had to put four guys together in like August or September, fill out a form, send it into the DNR to get a tag to shoot a doe. So that's, yeah. and the whole idea, so one doe for four, four guys, everybody God. else had a buck tag. So, and that was the idea was that there was the, to bring the population up. Well, now it's exactly the opposite where we're encouraging, I mean, they have the Ernebuck rules that kind of got shot down. Um, but Ernebuck is, you know, is in place, but you know, Steve asked me the other day, well, how many deer could you shoot on your tag? And I was like, there's no limit that I. I was trying to calculate the cost of hunting deer in Wisconsin. It's like what you buy a tag for 18 bucks and it's good for in your area. Yeah. In our area, um, you get a, a, a buck tag, a doe tag, a second doe tag, and then every time you go in, they'll give you another paper tag. That's in the interest of and that's all off the of, That's all off a of permit that costs what? Uh, it was $24. It wasn't $24, $24, yeah. That's crazy. That's a good way to get meat for cheap. If you, yeah, man. It's a, it's a, like if you're, if you're hunting local in that area, it's economical. And when I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when I was a kid, if, if a, a deer got hit on the road, People stopped and picked it up and put it in the back of the truck. We ate roadkill deer, oh, absolutely. man. Absolutely. But now it's like, now because the snow, we've had a big melt recently. You, you see the big drifts or the, the snow piles along the edge of the road, and here's deer carcasses turning up. People aren't and picking you can't, them up. you can't eat them. You can't pick them well, up. Well, it's too late now. But It depends but, on the state's legality, but, you know, like oh, you now, deer, now in yeah. Montana, you can, you can, now it was illegal. Now you can pick up. Certain species you can you can you can salvage them. You got to let the state know. We used to just have to call. We used to call nine one one. They'd give you a permit for a deer. We were coming back one time. My old man hit a deer with his bow. Okay, we all go out to blood trail a deer. Blood trail a deer till one two in the morning. Never found the deer. Never recovered a deer. I can't remember where he hit. He didn't get probably hit it in the paunch or something. Never found it. Coming back, he's got me and my brothers. Now I'm little little. Like I was so little that me and my other brother. We got left behind, and he left us to sleep in the woods, and our landing ran out of uh, gas, so our light was out, and we fell asleep, and so he couldn't find us. And they're running around going, Dave, Dad, because you'd have to get close enough to yell and wake us up. So 2 in the morning, we're coming home, finally, (laughs) driving a Jeep AMC Eagle, or Jeep AMC Cherokee, and bam, hit this deer. 
So it's, you know, everyone's tired. I'm sleeping up front. My brother's in the back seat. My old man gets out, grabs his deer, and throws the son bitch in the back of a Jeep Cherokee on a tarp. Sticks an arrow in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Start on down the road, and all of a sudden my brother's in the back <laughs> flipping out. Like freaking, and we turn around. That some bitch is standing up in the back of that truck. <laughs> no, no, oh my, oh God. no! Slams on the brakes, gets out, and uh, hauls that deer out of the back, cuts its throat, waits, comes in, throws it back in on the tarp, and continue on our way home. <laughs> that was a hard man. Oh my! Talk God. about self reliance. You guys sleep in the woods. I'll be back. What are you I'm six? To find you. you fucking pussy. Here's a lantern yeah, with exactly. three ounces of fluid in it. Right. No. Go to I, sleep. I I'll gave, be back. I gave the kid a compass. Whatever. <laughs> no, he was he was a um, he was a he was a hard guy, man. Yeah, I guess. He was I was a hard say, guy. I'm yeah, not... I guess. That like, sounds like a hard guy. At he... the time, like it, it up until, you know, it's funny because like there's this uh, there's there's like this musician. I don't even want to name her name, but she's got the song like "I'm Not Angry Anymore." Like my dad's been dead. Like my dad died in 2002, 2003. I'm just now. I just turned forty couple like a week or two ago i'm just now getting where i'm not so angry at him and i'm starting to go like a lot of what he did made sense and a lot of it has to do with i have a three-year-old now oh yeah and now i'm like you know what maybe he wasn't like so you know it just i look like like i look at it through that angle now of having a little kid and i see like you want that person to be just like able to fend for themselves mm. and know and to be capable and know how to fix stuff and know how to take situations in their own hands and know not to complain about stuff. You know what I mean? Well, you came out pretty good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but most people disregard everything they learn from their parents. Yeah. Even if they turned out really good, like you yeah. could have a whole slew of siblings all be turned out great. And then every one of them will be like, do the opposite of what their parents did. What do you think you were so angry about? I mean, what was the main thing? I don't want to get Just him being a hard ass. Yeah. Make us work all the time. All the time. See, these, these pads, he used to have a longer one, and he'd start making chores, and he wouldn't, like... That sucks. He would just keep going until he had two columns down to the bottom. My dad would do that, but he And you'd get on your first day of summer break, and he'd be like, you know... <laughs> and you're like, well, shit, that's going to take get me through it. August. <laughs> my my, my father would do that stuff, but he didn't have any staying power. Like, he would, he would write up lists. Like, I, I crashed my car, and it was, uh, this car, and it cost him, like, I don't know how much it's going to cost him. But he goes, you're working for this. You're working for this, boy. I'll tell you that much right now. Hope you, hope you think. I know you had plans for the summer because you can kiss those plans goodbye because you're going to be working on He was so mad at me. Meanwhile, I, I, I knew he wrote this long list. I knew he just kind of forgot about it. He just, he just never had any staying power. He'd get busy. And I'd be like, see you later. <laughs> hey, you dropped this list. Wasn't I supposed to mow the lawn? Sorry. I got a trick knee. See you. Oh, man. No, but you're probably like, no, Dad, I'm going to grow up and be a comedian. Dude, my mother, my mother used to, you think my mother used to change my grades. I would get my report card what? and it sucked. And I knew my father, my father, I knew. Oh, change it for your father. Oh, my God. I couldn't go to my dad with a D in math, and I was just, I mean, you know, you don't think I listen now? Can you imagine being fucking in, in fucking high school? Holy shit, was I a mess. What did your and, parents think when you said you wanted to be a comedian? My father grew up really poor, so when I told him I wanted to be an actor, not even a comedian, an actor. Is that what you told him first? Yep. I was 21, 22. I, I, remember, I, I remember he looked at me. And his face, I remember his face, the worry and the regret and the dread. But you know what he said? Like, I should have never even had I should have you. I should have drowned him when he was little. Dude, he was so, he was so, Condoms. I could see. <laughs> right. He was so depressed. 
Because he, he just wanted me to be, you know, he, he just wanted to be, he loved me. He just wanted to be safe. So he just looked at me and he goes like this. He goes, well, are you asking me if I'll support you? I mean, you want some money for your rent? <laughs> I, go, I go, no. He goes, well, you're going to need it because you're not paying your way around with acting. So you're good. we have to talk brass tacks. You, you can't live in New York without my help. And, and I never forgot that about him. He, 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 he kind of, he just, you know, he said, oh, well, he's a dreamer. Here goes nothing. But when I got my first job and I got Mad TV and I called him, it was the greatest thing in the world. He goes, what are you doing in L.A.? And I go, uh, I'm on a TV show. And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, I'm going to be on a TV show every week. And he goes, commercial? I go, no, it's not a commercial. I'm going to be on a TV show. He goes, I can turn the channel on and you'll be on the show. I go, that's right. And he goes like this. There was a pause. And he goes, oh, my God. i got to call your mother. And he hung up. And then my mother called. Then my cousins called. Everybody called. And he just he didn't know how to even deal with the emotion of it because I was I was ultimately the first time you know but but forget all that bullshit. What what ended up bringing us really close because we didn't really get along that well was how how well I kept my head up during the fact that I wasn't working. I spent a lot of time and you know for years not working as an actor. Oh, he admired that you didn't say quit. I never quit, man, and yeah. I never got down. I never got down. I would just go, well, here goes another one. I just never fucking gave up. Wait, I don't wait, give wait, up. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't spend that much time not working because when, <laughs> when I met you, you were like 26. Yeah. And you were working. Yeah, but I went a long time without the fuck you know, does being that on mean? a TV show. From college to not working. What is that? Yeah, but you could be working a little bit prior. That no, doesn't I'm mean you're about, making I'm talking about being an actor, like all the years of not getting jobs. Well, and... Wait a minute. How long is that if you're 26? Well... From the age of... When did you get out of college? How old were you? 21. So you five that, years? No, I worked at a bank for two years. And I went so to five years? School. Five years from school? No, I'm talking yeah, about... Yeah, but it's not I'm like an on... It's probably not like an no, on-off no, switch. No, I started no, no. selling magazine articles. No. I started selling magazine articles in 2000, but it was. It took me five years to get it. I could be like, yes, I'm a publishing writer. Yeah. But I couldn't be like, I'm a writer, writer. Right, but he was on magazine. No, I'm talking about after Mad. Oh, yeah. After and Mad, at that point, I you're like... I work a lot. Like... Well, that's because you, you insisted on doing gay comedy. Whatever, dude. No, I was insisting on doing on doing acting. <laughs> Joe would be like, dude, stop with the acting. I'd be in acting class. We'd get in these huge arguments. He'd be like, just do stand-up. Just do stand-up with this acting stuff. I would freak out in pilot season. I'd call him up. I, I didn't get a job this pilot season. Like, why wouldn't you want to be autonomous when you could be? I, I just didn't understand it. Oh, it's like, the greatest. Like, when I was on news radio, my, the producer actually said to me, he goes, why are you still doing stand-up? You're an actor now. I was like... Oh, oh really? Like oh, I get to get the fuck away from you right now before this is contagious. Yep. You're kidding me, really? Yeah, that, dude, was, that, that was the perspective. I didn't know well, to be a stand up. Uh, for for stand up, the most beautiful thing about stand up is you got everything with you. You 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 carry your equipment. That's you it. you are who you are. You go to a club and you don't need anything. To turn on that microphone and we'll do this. Yep. The, turn the lights off. Turn on the microphone. We're good. The last thing you want as a stand-up is to have to check in with a bunch of other people. If you had to do what you have to do as a stand-up, what you have to do as an actor, like go to producers and writers uh, and the network uh, and get everything approved, it's a fucking disaster, which is one of the reasons why it's so hard to get a good show on television. That perfect storm of good writing and good acting and all that stuff coming together, it's incredibly difficult it's to pull off. It's uh, basically practically impossible. And let's be honest, we have the greatest job in the world. Am it's, I right? Well, it's also the most fun. 
Yeah, to me, I mean. when I'm a con- when I'm an audience member, I would way rather go see Brian Callen do stand up than I would go see you in a movie. And if you, I go see you in a movie, and you can see Brian Callen do stand up <laughs> in San Francisco this weekend, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, <laughs> Saturday at the Punchline. Yes, Ladies. go see. You, so, you're but, very funny doing stand up, but in a movie, <laughs> the odds of you getting a role that represents you the same way it does your your stand up is right. not only that. Like you, when you go to see a good comic. The laughs that you have in an hour and a half, like you get out of there, your fucking stomach hurts. Yeah, you know you're exactly. you're, you're howling, laughing. Yeah, you know? like my, but when we went to see you, I mean, I told you, my wife said my like my eyes and my face hurts. <laughs> if you go see like, from like holding Joe, that like from holding that like big smiley thing for you know that whatever. If you 50 see minutes. someone like Joe Rogan or you see um, Bill Burr, or you see these guys. Let me tell you something. You take the funniest movie in the world, The Hangover, any movie. I don't care what it is. There, there is no way that that audience is going to laugh as much at the hangovers. No, like laughs laugh per Joe. minute. This is not going to happen. You know, and there's a real problem with the way it's expressed on television, too. And I'm having an issue with that now. Um, my new special, by the way, comes out uh, <laughs> this, this, Friday night on, um, this Friday night on Comedy Central. They're, they're airing my, my, oh, nice. my latest. I didn't my, know that. My last special. Yeah. Awesome. Live from the Tabernacle, uh, the special that I did, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And um, I'm doing a new one. I'm going to film a new one in June. Because I this special, if you see this special, this, none of this is on my new comedy that I'm doing now. So over the last like year and a half, I've been putting together my new hour. It's done now, and I'm probably going to film that most likely in Denver, most likely in June. Mm. I'm Where piecing Denver? it together. I want to do it at the Comedy Works because I, I love oh, that club. Beautiful club. If I can do it there, I'll do it there. If not, I'll do it. At, I want to do it at a club. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to represent com like when you see a comedy show on television. I'm sorry, it's just not as good as seeing it live. Mm. There's something you miss. There's something about the person saying that shit right in front of you yeah. that's just way better than someone saying that shit on a video. Yeah, it's, like watching, shared a concert. it's like watching a concert video. There's yeah. nothing more painful than watching yeah. a concert video. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. true. That's the true. shared experience, when I saw you recently in Chicago, one of the, the neat things is you know, sitting there with a friend, but, but the people around you, like what struck somebody else as just like gut wrenching, you know, busting funny. You know, I'm, yeah, that's funny. But, but then the thing that would get me would be other people are kind of chuckling and I'm just roaring, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like that shared experience, I think, is a part of it. I know? think yeah. it is too. Yeah. There's something about going and, and, I, and I think the shared experience somewhat gets diminished when there's like more than 3,000 people. Yeah. Like, I've had great times. Like when we did uh, Toronto, what we do? Would you do Denver with me when you came out as me? <laughs> yes. That was a great <laughs> I introduced, I had him introduce uh, me you know, and then Rogan, Brian Callen out, goes out there. And they're all looking at me like, Wah! It was like pretty cool to get to get that reception. Literally, I felt like the Messiah, and I cut, and then and then I could see the front row going. Joe looks he looks thinner I wonder what's going he's on he's got with AIDS him. he's got he's got he's thin and tall he's weak all that, all that. <laughs> gained three inches and uh, lost 50 pounds that's it it's you know, like Joe Rogan light there it is you know yes, this is actually the video you realize it's not me yeah it's pretty good and then just come walking out <laughs> just come walking out with me yeah. <laughs> what how high were we that we thought this was a good idea I know, <laughs> I know. But doing Toronto is amazing. Yeah, oh, three thousand people. Well, this was this was Denver, right? Wasn't it Denver? Yeah, I this is several thousand <laughs> people. Look like it. Is this, well, you this hear the like, what? What's up, you fucking freaks? That's what Joe says. <laughs> What's up, you fucking freaks? Joey.
Yeah, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck, dude? I just thought... I just thought... You know, one of the best things about seeing, like you talk about that experience being in the audience. When I, when I saw you recently in New York, it was like you brought up the, you kind of launched into the Duck Dynasty thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's some dudes in the audience. I can see a lot of guys in the audience, they start getting real excited because they're like, awesome, because now he's going to start bashing the queers. Like, now we can talk really bad about gay people. <laughs> and they're getting all charged up. They're like, come on, let's talk bad about queers. I can't wait. And then Joe, like, so, like, turns it on its head in its most vicious way. And, like, the palpability of these dudes' disappointment that it wasn't going to be, <laughs> that it wasn't going to be that we were talking about, like, how much we hate gay people. And they kind of, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, bring it, bring it. I hate them gay people. And, well, then, uh, and then Joe just, like, just shot them down the worst way and they're kind of getting this little like you know like this pissy little mood and this whole thing's playing out right in front of me like no one would ever know I'm just sitting here watching these guys get like oh man I thought it was going to be more fun than this well, <laughs> well Biggett's soul gets crushed is, well what it is is that you know they, they think that you're going to like support his freedom of speech mm-hmm. you know because yeah, that's yeah. like the big argument that you see on on Facebook what about freedom of speech what about his, his Christian beliefs what about supporting his Christian beliefs <laughs> You know, right. my, my point on all that has always been, why would you care what gay people are doing? Right. Like, what's going on that you care about gay people? And if it's the Bible, if you're, it's, you're really fucking cherry-picking if you're going after gays. <laughs> <That's right>. Like, <laughs> you're cherry-picking cherry like picking. You should go after people that wear two different types of cloth, because that shit's in there, too. Yeah, right. but the like, whole premise true. of the show is, like, that they made a boatload of money. But isn't exactly. there a line in the Bible, like, a rich man has as much chance of getting into heaven as a camel passing through the eye of a needle? Yes. That's what <laughs> Jesus said. Yes. That's exactly what I'd he said. be more worried about whether reality TV stars get to go to heaven. Well, you're a liar if you're doing that show and you're not telling people that it's scripted. You're a liar, yeah. so that that is an issue, and that that's yeah. a real issue with those reality shows. They are not reality. No. Those shows are fucking scripted. Yeah, scripted. So almost all of it. You have to sign a non-disclosure if you work for Duck Dynasty. Mm-hmm. If you work for a lot of those shows, if you're a cameraman, if you're a sound guy, you have to sign a non-disclosure so that you can't go out and tell everybody that's all bullshit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that, that, that's like one of the most basic things I get is this like how it comes that when you look at what's going on in the world, the the bad things that are happening in the world, starvation, abuse of children, all these things going on in the world, and you and you hone in on like what what's going on in some guy's private life. Mm-hmm. Whether that's or not a really like, good point, by the way. All the problems that that really are affecting people, and you you go like, after, you know what the problem of this world really is is homosexuals. Two, yeah. <laughs> two dudes having brunch with disposable income on a Sunday. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, well, it's it's, re- it's it's very weird. It's we're so we're weird. very weird about that. We're very weird about what we decide to get upset about and what we don't decide to get upset about. And it's it's a strange thing. And the what we should be upset about, we're not. And on a show like that, what you should be upset about is the fact that they're fucking faking it. That's not a drama. It's not like watching, you know, fill in the blank, fucking uh, yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones, where you know it's scripted. Yeah. This is a show where they're pretending this is their real life, and it's not. One of the things that I really appreciate about your show is that it's 100% legit. Above board, all the way. If you don't get an animal, you show the whole fucking show. And you've had several shows where you don't get an animal. And one of them that I really respected, man, was that episode this year where you had that bear in your sight and you just decided not to shoot it. And you had this, it was a very unique episode because you're fucking bear hunting and you're a hunter and you've killed God knows how many animals in your life. And you had your crosshairs on this bear and it was a done deal. And he said, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to shoot this animal. And yeah, bears decided. are weird for me. You know, I, I say that, but then I went and shot one, shot a bear not long after that. But, 
But no, at that yeah, that happens to me. But you and, apologized and, after you shot that bear, which I thought was weird too, because you wounded it and then you had to shoot it a second time, and you said you were sorry for hurting it. Yeah, bear, like yeah, I, I feel I don't know, man. Bears, I love to hunt bears, and I like to look at bears, and sometimes I confuse which of those I like. It's confusing to me which I like more. You know, why is that? I feel. Um, Kind of an, I feel like an affinity to bears in a way. I just kind of that that some of some of their favorite foods are so favorites of mine too. Like I watch bears go eat blueberries. It's like I love eating blueberries. And then at that place I got in Alaska, the bears all eat blue mussels, and blue mussels are like one of my freaking favorite things in the world. And so it's like you look at a bear, it's like man, we're kind of. I always feel like we like the exact same foods, you know. And another thing about bears. Um, is I feel that bears kind of wake up a little different every day. You know that they they they're they're exp- they, they, they they experiment. You know they're, they're processing things and experimenting with things, and um and so it's a it's a potent animal for me. And I think that if you look at just the the the, the history of hunting and the history of hunters as represented through art that they leave behind and oral tradition they leave behind, it's not a new concept that. A hunter would develop an, an affinity to certain animals. You know, oftentimes people respected the animals that they hunted the most. You look at the the, the, the race, relationship plains tribes to Buffalo. bison. It was yeah. become like an object of worship, a very sacred object. You have a very conflicted, complicated relationship with the animal, and you hunt it and kill it. So I'm not. I don't even need to feel funny about the way I feel towards some of the animals I hunt because it's like it's just something that has obviously happened to hunters for a long, long time. Um, and, and as a hunter, you kind of develop your own system. Like we never use the word taboo when we're talking about ourselves. We always use taboo when we're looking at other cultures. Be like, oh, those crazy people, they won't eat that because they have a taboo. Meanwhile, like we don't eat dogs. You know, mm-hmm. we have a taboo system. We have a taboo system that governs the things we do. And I through hunting and through observations of animals and there's i've developed a a set of things that i will and will not do and there's animals that to me are really special you know not that i dislike other ones but just the bear to me is special i'll go bear hunting this june and um i'm thinking about it it's just something that you know i look at a bear and i respect it as a renewable resource something that if managed properly i can kill the bear have its hide, render its fat down and make my own lard with it, eat all the meat. I like that, but I also, something about me really likes the individual bear too, and just to observe them, and to now and then just to let one walk. You, know? you said something really interesting to me just now about the fact that they wake up differently every day, and that, that's something interesting, because what you're saying is that they kind of learn as they get older. I, and, and you I feel, feel like that's you're interrupting that process, whereas a deer, you don't feel that way. I don't. You deer feel yeah, well, it's two or it's one or it's five. I mean, they learn, but it's not the same thing. I have a hard time thinking of white. I have a hard time thinking of white-tailed deer or most things. I have a hard time thinking of as as them as individuals. Yeah, me too. But a, but a bear, too. like really, especially after I killed that bear, I was talking about those seventeen, and I got that back, and they did the, the, the tooth. Yeah. I think it's called is it dentum that they do. Yeah, they cut a cross yep. section on that tooth. And I got back and thought seventeen, man. Because at the time I was in my like early, tw- I was in my like early twenties, man. Yeah. I was in my early wow. 20s. I'm like, that son of a bitch has been around for 17 years. Damn. That's legit. What did it taste That's like? legit. What did that 17-year-old bear taste like? I kept some roasts off the back legs, and I kept the loins, and the thing was fine, man. But that, like I said, I ground a lot of it. But I did keep some roasts off it. 
We ate it. We sloppy joed it. We did everything, and then the loins we just grilled. And how was it? The grilled loins were good. It was still good, bear. And you have to make it medium, right, with the bear? Because well, it, plus with that bear, I knew he, I knew he was, had trichinosis. So it was good. You know, I can't like it was so long ago now. I I mean, I remember it being good. Everybody being really surprised by it was good. But I'll handle bear meat in different ways. You know, I don't just like cut a chunk of bear meat and throw it on the grill. Like I do a lot of. You know, you might want to tenderize it, or I'll do marinades on it. I'll smoke it. Like I bring more effort to bear meat than I would to like that that fine taste in Driftless Area, Wisconsin whitetail we were eating, which was basically warmed up. You know, I mean, you're just like putting a little bit, yeah. of, well, putting but, a teeny it, bit of heat. But to you it. do that yeah. with, with 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 everything. I, I got a lot of emails and comments from people about the duck, and they were, how, how good was the duck really? And I was like, it was incredible. What do you mean? Yeah. People are just like, well, you know, ducks. I was like, are you talking about mallards and wood ducks? I mean, because, you know, you're talking about diving ducks. That's a whole other thing. But, you know, mallards are no, it's mallards pretty hard to screw a mallard up, I think. Joe's showing some footage of rendering. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's bear that's fat. The, uh, that's, that's bear fat. That's rendering bear fat down into oil. Well, and that's a bear that had been eating blueberries, right? Yeah. Those And those are uh, fall bears? That fall. You, they're fattening up? There's nothing better. I mean, there really is nothing better than, that, than those bears that – you know, you would get them in late September, October, and they're up there eating blueberries. They've been eating blueberries for months. Oh my God, they're good. I mean, we, they're just good. We got to make that happen. Listen, Brian Callen, we got to go on more hunting trips. I know I'm not shooting a bear, but I'll go on. When we go, when shoot, we go, you won't shoot a bear. No, I won't shoot a bear, but I'll definitely shoot a deer or an elk or anything I'm gonna eat. You, you, if, I just if, like bears. You'll see much. them in this fall for sure. When we go moose hunting, yeah. I want to come. Dun, 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 dun. Can you come? Is yeah. enough room? No, figure it out. We'll figure it out? Oh, that sounds like there isn't room. That's always like, we'll figure it out. We'll see. No, it's a boat. No, I'd say it. If you are honestly like, dude, I want to go so bad. Well, yeah, we'll see. You know. I, I really think <laughs> that the, the public needs to know how fucking good your show is. And I think that I, I think we're, we're doing our best to expose it uh, on this show and to expose it online, let people know. And I, and I know that your ratings are growing. But I, I can't help feel like you're underutilized on uh, – I, I love the Sportsman Channel. I watch it. Don't get me wrong. But hey, the Sportsman of, Channel gives, gives us the ability to make the show. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot you can't just go and do the stuff we do and show the stuff we show. On a regular network. The, you, you can't. They wouldn't let you. No, because they have it, they have it in their head. You can't gut animals and all they that They have stuff. in their head there's a set of things that the American public will tolerate and there's a set of things they won't tolerate. And we have the ability to do – we have absolute – Creative freedom to, to, to show the things that, I, that I'm interested in talking about. But do you feel that that's changing? Like when you watch these shows, like these Alaska, The Last Frontier, yeah, all these I think it's, shows, it's, it's, yeah, it's those changing. shows are showing a lot of hunting, showing a, a lot, lot of stuff, gutting yeah. animals, a lot mm. of skinning animals. They're showing animals hanging up in barns and shit. Yep. I mean, they're showing the raw, real deal, and they're doing it under the. There's something that they feel like is more romanticized about subsistence living. Well, yeah, but that's but they, there's a fabricated thing there where they're always trying to like make up this idea that this person's gonna die if he doesn't do this, mm -hmm. which is just horseshit. Well, the most fabricated thing was when they were fucking fly fishing, and this they're like, oh shit, a bear's coming. And then you see the bear eating a fish, and the fish is fucking filleted. Like they baited that no, bear. The really? Fuck yeah, yeah they God. did. You get a lot of trouble for that, man. That that yeah. fish was totally filleted, clean fillets missing from the sides, <laughs> like absolutely cut. <laughs> the bear's eating it. I'm like, you didn't fucking do that. The bear did not do that. That was a yeah. knife, yeah. goddamn fillet knife, a straight clean line from the gills back. By the Fuck. way, so yeah, what? we don't need to. We don't need to then. We don't need to. It can be the drama. Yeah, that you're living a lifestyle. 
out of choice and not just some guy acting like we got a whole damn film crew out here. We're flying back and forth with batteries and broken cameras and lenses every damn day. And we're going to pretend like this guy out here is going to perish. You, what you don't need to come is, up with like cockamamie justifications. They, I live a lifestyle that I want to live. And I have very concrete, resolute reasons why I live that way. Well, what they're missing is the entertainment value. Because a lot of those people are fucking boring. That's where Callan and I come in. So comedians and hunting. That's it. You got it's your called entertainment. Comedians yep. and hunting. Your fucking show, man. I'm telling you, there, it should be an hour long because there was so much great shit, extended footage yeah. that you guys have released. Just this shit of Brian singing while we're pigeon hunting yep. and trying to get the. the I was crying. Twenty two minutes, the, the man. Twenty two minutes. The shit on the stick thing. I was laughing. Yeah. I was crying. <laughs> I, and that was so. I don't remember even saying that stuff. But the, the, when you were the when you when you laugh at me, that's what I start laughing at. Like your laughter is so ridiculous. We're sitting there literally having a conversation, and then I, I ended it with, "I have a lot of shit stories." <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, the video. The, the but, shit on the stick. Yeah, thing. the hundred mile, <laughs> the the hundred mile an hour shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's by the way, that shit on the stick video has got over a hundred thousand views already. It does? It's like hundred and fifty now. Yeah. 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 It's our best. Yeah. It's our best. It's this meat eaters. Uh, it's meat eaters' best video. <laughs> There you I, go. I was doing. I was doing. That's what happened. I was doing stand up in New York, and somebody goes, "Tell the shit story. Tell us a shit story." And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I thought he was talking about the one where I was hiking. Remember that story I told about hiking? I had to shit with that girl, and and that, that, and, and I thought that's what he's saying. I go, oh, "I don't have time. I'm doing my act." But he was talking about fucking that. That's crazy. What, what did you say to have a look at, like, about what the shit was? <laughs> Well, of course, you know, I'm trying to interject some education to the thing. Like we had talked Boring. about. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so it was Black Knot, K-N-O-T, which is a... Is a uh, but I call my shit a Black Knot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I call my... I, I call yeah, my anyway, Brian's like, yeah, that's what no, I'm saying. And it's I, call, a black I call my asshole a balloon knot. <laughs> anyway, so it afflicts Black Cherry, which is what that... <laughs> Plant was, yeah, and there it goes again. Black cherry, so I like black cherry. It. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's three days old. And it's got one hundred forty thousand uh, hits. Jesus. so far. I can play this one. Yeah, that was so fun too. And that was a day when we didn't see a single deer. We went up there in the afternoon. Yeah. Next to your arm, is that? Yep. How'd that wind up on that stick? Only guy like me decided I'm gonna on that stick. I've never actually seen shit on a stick before. It's a common expression. Up till now, I thought it was a myth. It also might be something called black nut. If we could get Brian to break the branch off and crush it up and put it in his mouth. Well, no, he just needs to smell it. I'll do it for attention. <laughs> well, you can see the, the, let's let people see the rest of the video online, but we were fucking howling laughing. That was so funny. We were howling. Well, we were howling. There was many of those instances. The talking you know? monkey thing? Oh, the, how about uh, the, we're all sitting around, and uh, was it your brother's son yeah. that was there, a 17-year-old kid? And we started telling fuck stories. Oh, my yeah. God. This kid's eyes oh went up like dinner you know, plates. That yeah, was, but Joe was just saying. Joe was pulling Joe, no Joe says that the dad's got, the, the kid's dad. The kid's dad kind of looked a little bit like, oh. My, it was my know. brother David, by the yeah. way. And, by and, the way. And, and Joe's like, he's got the internet, man. There's no way we're going to tell him something he doesn't <laughs> know. But Joe, Joe was pulling no punches. Even I was, I was like, oh, Jesus. Kid. Well, you Tone it you, down a little bit. You there, didn't Joe. pull any punches either, pal. You That's went right. with me on it. I guess you're right. The kid was That's great. That's peer pressure, though. I blame peer pressure. And he ended up. <laughs> he wound up getting a buck. That's right. He ended up killing a, a really buck, nice buck, buck from the stand that you guys were sitting in right uh, by that white oak tree that I said one was going to walk by. I believe he's. Yeah, he's a good kid too. Fun kid, yeah. stud too. He looks like yeah. an athlete. That kid. yeah, good kid. Jack's a good that kid. whole area is so you're so lucky, man. It's such a beautiful area to go hunting in, really and the fact that you're there, you know, for 
How long is hunting season from archery to, to, to rifle? Uh, ending? Archery starts September 15th. And then, um, in our area, there's some, there's a, a little bit of time in December where you, you can't hunt, but, um, it's pretty much until the, the weekend after New Year's Day. That's crazy. And then two years ago when we did the first episode, um, they've, I think they've stopped this now, but you get landowner tags because, again, we're trying to reduce the herd. Mm-hmm. And so when Steve called me about that, he said, well, do you think we do that rabbit hunting thing and maybe we can do a little trapping or something? And I was like, well, I can go one better. We can still deer hunt at the end of February. So actually you've been to my place twice, or to, to my family's farm twice in the last four or five years at this time of the year when we went hunting. You can go hunting at the end of February with a yeah. landowner tag. Yeah. How does yeah. that work? Well, it's private land hunt, so you're not dipping into, the, you know, they're, they're not trying to diminish the managers. The, the it, harvest it, that might happen on public land. Right. And, mm-hmm. and especially in, in our area where they're trying to reduce the deer herd. Um, because of the CWD thing, largely. Because mm-hmm. it, it spreads faster the more deer there are. Right. So, you know, that's part of it. And I'm, I believe that we have, you know, that we have too many deer in our area, um, you know, in terms of a balanced ecosystem. And so, um, yeah, so I, I think that I had to buy the, the landowner tag, which was like $2. And I remember Doty, like, oh, he's going to step up. And there were the guys from Vortex and um, and Pat was there. I mean, and Carl, and we had seven or eight or nine guys. And Doty steps up, like, he's going to buy the license. <laughs> it was like $18 <laughs> for all of us. He's like, yeah, two, yeah. he's got the car no, down. He hunted, just, just puts a 20 on yeah, the that's bar. Right. We hunted on that trip for two bucks. <laughs> yep, that's right. Wow. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. That was wild. That's incredible, man. Yeah, you didn't need to have a regular hunting license then it was the landowner permit and then these guys can have tags that was since, the deal since you've been hunting since you were a kid and both of you guys have been what what's your approach to dealing with people like the people that are going crazy on my instagram people that don't think that there's uh, that it's a, a a good thing to do to go hunting they think there's something evil about it they think there's something wrong with it this how do you deal with that disconnect i I don't run into it very much. I mean, I do a little bit in Madison, but as I said, I people have, most of the people that I know that don't hunt don't have a problem with me doing it because of where you live. It's a cultural yeah, but thing, it's right? also I mean, Madison, Wisconsin is a pretty you know liberal town, and folks from all over the world there, and there's a certain fascination uh, with that. Actually, you know, the, the <laughs> I've gotten in a little more hot water um, talking about feral cats. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. something. I've, yeah. I'm even careful about bringing up that subject. People man. get real hoinky about feral cats, and I mean, on the farm there were always extra cats around. And when you got to a point on the farm extra where, cats. <laughs> dude, I used to do some contract work. I used to do some. I used to do some contract work <laughs> in that field. In that yeah. field of business, we and, talked uh, about that on uh, the first podcast yeah, and, you ever came on. And, and so that's way more. A, a sensitive subject than mm-hmm. you know hunting they're, wild they're pets. animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right, and people have a different connection to it, and, and so friends of ferals is this big group in Wisconsin, and and I know some really friends of ferals. Friends of ferals, yeah, they're spading and neutering them and putting them back out. Hilarious. Putting them back out. Putting them back Just out. Like, go, go eat some more songbirds. Well, yeah, I mean it's sort of sort oh, of they, that, they do that, don't they? They, they also kill rodents. They, they no, kill no, 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 yeah. This yeah. one friend of mine, this man, friend, uh, guys that run farms. I mean, you got to have cats. You got, I mean, a bunch of cats. Like Kiefer's got, man, he's got. Oh, got every once in a while, he'll say, "Hey, by the way, when we're up walking, uh, you know, there's a cat up there. We need to. I need a few less." Yeah, it's, yeah, but I mean, for just for rodent contamination. And, but and, yeah, and a friend of mine who's. Uh, um, uh, 
I don't know if she belongs to Friends, Friends of Ferrell's, but um, was one of the people who sort of chastised me about talking about a gunny sack in a rock, um, which is how you get rid of cats, uh, extra cats. A gunny sack in a rock? You mean throw them in the water? And, you, and just drown them. Why my old, my old them? man's grandpa honestly made him dispatch dispose of, his, of a litter of his own puppies that way one time. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Anyway, That's I made so a comment weird. about it somewhere, because uh, I, I, and actually I said something about, I didn't even go into that. I, I just went into songbirds and all that sort of stuff. And she said, look, you know, on my, and she's got horses and stuff. And, and she said, on my place, all I have is feral cats. And they've all been spayed or neutered. And then I put them out there. And yeah, I get the whole thing about songbirds. But in my area, or in my place, I'm taking care of it. You know, they're not bothering songbirds. They're not doing this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not what's happening everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, the discussion ends up being, to my mind, at least the same kind of thing. Well, how many... How many cats is enough? How many deer are enough? Um, well, you know, what's the balance that we're trying to achieve here? What's the, because, I mean, you know, we're the ones who made the problem. Steve, well, look, look at Sochi. I mean, they, they killed, they got, they, the Russian government came in and killed a bunch of stray dogs because they had a real stray dog problem. Yeah. And that made news. And healthy looking stray dogs, yes. too, by the They're way. Yeah, dogs. they were. Yeah. But they shot a bunch of dogs. Steve, you've, uh, you've had this conversation uh, many times, I'm sure. And I, one of them I watched uh, in a, a book signing that you had. Well, I thought, it was, was it a book signing? Yeah, Peter guy came. Fascinating. You and, know, and he was cool because he came to a, a book event I did and sat there through the whole thing, waited until the question period, raised his hand, and then took me to task on on the idea of hunting and the, that everything I was saying was just like a, a justification for wanting to kill harm animals, animals. And, yeah harm animals and kill animals and I pointed out to him and it, it's something that I've said many times and I'll, I'll say many times more so I think the people who who come at it with a perspective of uh, have an anti-hunting perspective are defending a set of ideas that that they're concerned for animals, they're concerned for wildlife, they're concerned for the well-being of the natural world. They're defending a set of animal, a set of ideals that I know that I understand better than they do. I care more about it than they do. I know much, much more about it than they do. I'm more vested in safeguarding the things that they think they're safeguarding than they are. I mean, I just am, you know. Um, I might not, in my mind, there's a vast difference between an individual wild animal and the idea or the essence of that species. It's difficult for people to understand an idea that, that they're saying like, oh, if you love this animal so much, how could you kill it? And it might be if you came down from Mars or came down from outer space, it might seem like this really counterintuitive notion. But because of the way we manage wildlife, particularly in this country, we have where we manage wildlife as a public trust thing, as a renewable resource. The funding for wildlife research, the funding for enforcement, the funding for habitat improvement in this country is coming out of hunting license sales, is coming out of excise taxes that are on firearms and sporting goods. Guys that hunt are financing, to a large measure, American wildlife. Particularly, that's particularly the case, and even more, I mean, you could say that, oh, sure, that's just inadvertent. They don't mean to do that. They just need to be, have a gun and they want to have a hunting license. But then you look at the work of organizations like National Wild Turkey Federation, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Ducks Unlimited, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, 
You have these groups that are hunter-based habitat improvement, hunter-based wildlife organizations. Those are the people paying for the things and, and financing the research that, that gives the anti-hunters even an idea of what they're trying to defend. It, it, like In this country, it would not exist if we didn't have some idea of publicly owned commodified wildlife where we recognize that wildlife is, has value and should be maintained for the future. You could have a bunch of rosy opinions about oh, that we would just take care of these things because we should. And I agree. It'd be great if we did. But one of the best things that can happen to a species now in contemporary America, one of the best things that can happen to it is that it's, it has a perceived value to hunters because we want to make sure that our resources are safeguarded and are going to be around for a long time to come and they're going to be around for our kids. I'm not talking about that it's altruistic or anything else. It's, it's based on pragmatism. But we're taking care of our own and we're handling our own issues. Have you ever had a real legitimate debate with someone who's an animal rights activist where they sat down for a long period of time, like on a podcast, and had a long-form conversation? Because Never. Because it's no a one... Shallow pers- it's a shallow conversation on their part. And, and it's a shallow tried... conversation on my part because like, if I sat down with someone... Um, I'd go into it just as assholey as they would. Well, I'd go into it being like, I'm never going to change my mind. I don't think you would because that conversation that you had with that guy at that book signing shows that you've got a pretty nuanced point of view when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. It's something you've considered. I've tried to defend it from that point of view in order to understand it better. And the problem is there's nothing there. It, go, it gets shallow. Yeah. When you go into this idea of overpopulation, you go into the idea of what, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring in predators? Like how are you going to control this population? Because if you don't, you don't really love these animals. Because w- the, the bottom line about game animals when it comes to like things like deer and elk, and they must be hunted either by wolves or by mountain lions or by people. Because if they're not, they're just going to fuck and they're just going to overpopulate and they're going to get diseases. Or you get like something like I the Hamptons. Or, or you wind up where you're at with the Hamptons or where you're at with New yes. Zealand, where then you have government-financed control efforts right. where you have people willing to pay to do something or you finance the, you know, the sort of managed... Well, I, wanted, I would love to hear that conversation. Like, what is the... What's what's the contrary point of view? Talk what, to Bill Maher. No, he's a fucking silly bitch. Yeah. That guy is so silly. He's friends with Ann Coulter, and he's he, he's such a weird dude when yeah. it comes to so many things. But the PETA thing is a knee-jerk reactionary thing that you can do if you're getting all your food from a fucking supermarket. Mm-hmm. And you, it's you're so not in touch with the natural world. You're banging Playboy playmates at the mansion. That's a fucking wildlife preserve right there. That's a fenced-in <laughs> preserve. Yes, it is. Well. The, <laughs> Uh, another area. I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But it's just I want to know what the point of view is. What is the debate against? Because I've never seen it done. I've never seen it successfully. Because we'd argued. be talking about two different things. But you're they, not really. But they. But I think that people would come at it and they would be talking about just suffering. Okay, animal suffering. I could never look someone in the eye and say. I could never look someone in the eye and say that an animal is uh, willfully lending themselves to slaughter i could never look someone in the eye and say that oh yeah hunting animals is this painless <clears throat> procedure and so if they have a thing where they value if their primary thing is stopping any level of suffering happening to any individual sentient being and that's their goal my goal is just so different my goal is to have a 
manage, when I say manage, I'm just saying sustainable. I'm not saying anything else. To have a sustainable suite of North American wildlife that we can manage into the future for, for myself and future generations to enjoy, and that we can leave the country and leave the world in a, in a better place ecologically than we found it. I think that's a scientific perspective, Steve. And when you're talking to PETA people, the it's reason that it's hard to figure it's it's a, it's a religious. You're talking about religious fanatics in a way. Well, it's a shallow thought thinking process because they've only looked at it on the surface. And they've looked at it in a way where they've conveniently ignored the fact that these are animals that have a finite lifespan and that the animals that are traditionally hunted by predators, but, but whether it's human you're predators. You're arguing with people who are religious. I mean, but are they? Are, are they? Or are they just fanatics. trying? To, are they just nice people that haven't looked well, deep into it? Some people, I think some of the PETA people and some of the movement came when we realized that uh, uh, big pharma and, and a cos- cosmetics industry and, and were using animals for experiments like chimpanzees and bunny rabbits with lipstick and a lot of people said you know why are why are you making animals suffer on these farms where you're using them for their fur and using testing makeup on them and they're yeah. going blind yeah. or you're you're seeing how a monkey reacts when you take its baby away you in the, and the animal sobs or even and and I don't know the the extent of how much HIV um, the drugs have benefited from from experimentation on chimpanzees, but I've read very heartbreaking accounts of chimpanzees that are given HIV, and they just sob because they feel sick and they feel terrible, and they literally just put their head in their hands and sob in a, alone in some cage. So you can understand all of us. I think all of us go. Wait a minute. I, I can understand. Going, that's not right. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to buy products that are tested on animals, and we all do that. So I think some of the PETA movement was fueled by that particular thing. Yeah. Well, Doug and, just and, Doug raises Doug raises beef cattle, and he just said that there's some cattle practices that he's uncomfortable with. Yeah. And so and, I mean, we we're all drawing lines, and you're right. You know, a lot of us could look like if you can put some kind of shampoo in a rabbit's eye and determine that that's not a good recipe for shampoo and you could have arrived at the same conclusion in some way that didn't involve animal suffering it's a, it's a potent argument yeah but a lot and of drugs that save lives you, that's they, the you, thing. you do you start in a petri dish then you do test them on animals and the last group is a, is a, is is a control group of humans just read a book about this that, that, that's what you do and the reason you t- test it on animals is because you have to see initially how it's going to react in an organism as complex as a, as a as an animal organism to see if it has adverse side effects to, before you go on to test it onto a human, so it's a, it's a, but I can I can appreciate, like I said, when somebody says, if you're testing animals to see if you if somebody can look prettier, I can see that being somebody can have an objection. Right, well, and so then it becomes a question of what, what's what's degrees. what's worth what's worth testing on animals. Yeah, and I yeah I couldn't agree with you more. And and Steve's right. I've in my people will call you if you're mistreating your animals in our area. Other people who have animals and people who hunt. That's if you're mistreating your animals, you get called out on it mm-hmm. in our area. People mm-hmm. will say, you know, wait a minute. Just like if you're doing poor uh, uh, management practices in your fields and whatnot, people will will call you out on it. Why sure. aren't you doing contour stripping or why aren't you taking care? You know, why aren't yeah. you taking care of things? So it, you know, it's sort of an extension of that. So it, you know, in my view, it ends up being there's a balance in all of this, and and yeah, case by case, I I go with you. There's things. I mean, I don't, I'm not worried about personally, not worried about eye makeup or that kind of stuff. So I don't think it makes sense. Maybe to you put should them. be. You'd look beautiful if you had. Like, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> there was a question about whether I was you know, something and that glittery. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, there I was. Know. A, there but, was a, but the marketplace, by the way, because of that that education, a lot of the marketplace has said. 
you know, you see a lot of how many products do you see that not tested on animals. Mm-hmm. So in yeah. a lot of ways, the marketplace kind of went. You know what? A lot of people, all of us went. I don't want an animal. I don't want that. Well, there's such a big it. difference between testing cosmetics, which are so frivolous, sure. and testing medicine, which could save your children. Right. There's, there's a huge difference in my eyes. I don't have a problem with them testing medicine that can save babies. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm sorry, I don't. I like people more than I like animals. Me too. Yeah. And I have two like dogs. the polio vaccine. I mean, all of our major vaccines, yeah. man. We wouldn't have them. Yeah, I have That's two right. dogs. I have two cats. I love animals. I fucking do love animals. Animals. I love to eat them too, though. You I'll know? tell you a surprising thing I saw one time. Do we? Do we got? Do we? Do we have more? Do we, we have, have like a couple minutes? Oh. We're, we're running out of steam here. I was. Do, I was. Well, I'll save it for next time. We turn into a pumpkin at three hours in. Okay. So we talked about a lot of this on the on the show, Meat Eater. We that's did. on yeah. uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. The show needs to be o'clock. an hour. Don't you think the show needs to be an hour? I'd love to see the show be tell an hour. Tell Sportsman's Channel to can that Sarah Palin broad fucking <laughs> <laughs> move, move Steve. Yeah, for I've an had hour. some questions about that one too, but. Hey, I'm sure it's going to bring attention to the network, which is a great thing because yep. it's, it's a great network, and it, they, they support that show, which is the best show on television. I think all the time about going an hour, and we talk about the upsides and downsides no of going downside. an hour. There's no downside. There's no downside. There's something really just, but I, I've fallen in love, a little bit, a hesitant love with just how clean and crisp a well done, twenty like a, how, how clean and crisp like a well done. It's too good a show. Um, you're right. Well, that's it's too flattering. Good a show. flattering it needs to say 44 that, minutes, please. It needs, it needs an hour. It needs no commercials. That's great. I, I couldn't agree with you more, but I, I really got to get this in, or Helen is going to give me heck after a while. Helen's going to give me hell. And that is the show on, uh, but then also the show on, uh, tomorrow night is the second part of our episode. And I, honestly, I'm excited to see it because I have no idea what happens in this second part other than. I know what happened while we right. were there, but what became a part of the show? What I, what out of that eighty hours made it yeah, into the twenty two? Yeah, it's really interesting. And Steve, <laughs> really you know, well when the first edited. show we did, Steve warned me and said, "Well, you know, nobody likes the way they come across." Nah, you came across, and, and I came, yeah, and I and I was exact, felt exactly the opposite. And then the other thing is that you can download episodes on. I can never remember the name. Meateater.vtx.tv. VHX. VHX. Meateater.vhx.tv. That's exactly right. Okay. Go there. There it is. You can stream and download. There it is right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome fucking show. Live to hunt, hunt to live, bro. It really is the best show on television. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of compliments about this show, people that love it, that I turned on to it, and they're not even hunters. They have no desire to hunt. They never want to hunt. They just love it. It's a great show. It's great narration. It's just, it's a really special Thanks. show, Thanks. Joe, Joe Rogan's the best thing that ever happened to the show. <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Well, <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored that you've had us on not once but twice and that we're going to do it again and maybe with Callan. Well, more, I mean, more, if you don't want to laugh, then I don't have We're on, going but... to Alaska. We're going to fuck up some moose, all right? I it's mean, happening. If, I, if there's room, <laughs> I don't want to be We'll a... make room. We'll make another raft. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll buy some more land from the Soviet Union. <laughs> you just get, you just send, you send Clifford his money. <laughs> well, hey, Clifford, hey, Clifford's Critter Creations is like I just I got a it's teddy a bear for my story. daughter, and it's, it's a awesome. Long story. <laughs> Don Don Clifford's a good man. Follow Steve Rinella on Twitter. It's Steven Rinella on Twitter. Uh, you could follow Brian Callen on Twitter as well. B R Y A M C A L L E N and on Instagram, both guys, Steve Rinella and Brian Callen on Instagram. Uh, the show is on the Sportsman's Channel. Find it. It's on Direct TV. It's six oh five. On DirecTV or 606? 605. I, I think it's channel 605 on DirecTV. Um, just find it. Sportsman's Channel. Uh, it's an excellent show. It's Meat Eater, and it's on tomorrow night. It'll be the final episode. Thursdays, 8 o'clock Eastern. And it's on during, during the week. You can you know run a search for it. You're not an idiot. You know how to do it. 
Um, Doug Duran, you're a fucking awesome human being. It's <laughs> been a pleasure. Me. Pleasure to be your Bubbly friend. Bubbly Doug, man. man. Come see me this weekend. Yeah, come see Brian Callis. Are you at cops? My buddy no, Ronnie, at, my buddy uh, Ronnie Bame, my buddy Ronnie Bame, one of my best friends, lifelong, uh, mo- almost lifelong hunting partner, went to see Brian Callis. He gave it two thumbs up. Loved two it. thumbs up. He said, up. quote, I laugh my dick off. I Boom. like it. I'll coming to Minneapolis to see you. I know. I'll be there. Yeah, you'll be there. So I'm coming be, to Minneapolis to see you. I'll be at the punchline, then Minneapolis next weekend. Laugh your dicks off. Punchline in San Francisco, one of the great comedy clubs in the country. It's a perfect setup. I love that fucking club. Uh, I will be at the Verizon Theater in uh, Dallas on um, April, uh, March 14th with Ari Shafir and Duncan Trussell. Then I'll be in Miami at the Jackie Gleason Theater on April 3rd with Tony Hinchcliffe. And then I'll be in Orlando on April 18th at some fucking theater. And then go to JoeRogan.net for tickets. Figure it out, all right? I can't tell you everywhere I'm going to be. Look, we love the fuck out of you people. We got a, a lot of crazy podcasts coming up next week. We got Louis Thoreau. Um, I got uh, who else? Robert Green um, and someone else. I don't know. I forget who that is. They're going to be mad at me, but whatever. Fucking deal with it. All right. right. Uh, thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Ting. Go to rogan.ting.com. Save 25 bucks off of any device. It's an awesome cell phone company, an awesome company to work with. We love them. Uh, also, go to lumosity.com, lumosity.com forward slash Joe, and uh, get your learn on, son. Brain games. <laughs> it's a, a gym for the mind. Uh, and on it.com, O N N I T. Use the code word Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. All right, we'll see you guys next week and we love you. Take care. Nice old kid. <laughs>